Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I'm your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on the Twitters at Justin Harvey75. You can find the entire show on the Twitters at MMM Show75. And uh happy birthday to me. And to you, Lucha Gringo. And to you, uh, Mr. Recently Deported but somehow snuck back into the country, Mark Turk. I got back in. They let me in. Why? App Global Entry. I paid like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, I bet you got global entry. This is BS white privilege. This I don't I don't buy this at all. You left the country. Everyone says how hard it is to get back in the country. Casey and I were stoked that we were like never going to have to see you again in this country. Like I knew he was on a quest, you know how like Mick Foley's blood on seven continents, so is Byron from the anus and it worked. Hi guys, I'm Casey. Don't find me on Twitter. Don't find you on Twitter. Why not? You have the best smangry tweets of the week. No, I know. I've been I've been actually tweeting some pretty dope shit about IWA Japan and Wing. That's W Star ING for those of you that need to look it up on YouTube immediately after this show or shit during the show. I'm not gonna get mad if you stop watching the show right now no, to go I get mad. Leatherface wrestle Freddy Krueger in a barbed wire bat match. But um, I'd appreciate it if you stayed. We're going to go fast, and we have a special guest, and it's our one-year anniversary and shit. Which we got to talk about a little bit, because um, how many weeks are in a year, Byron? 52, even during leap years. And yet, somehow, in a year, we've done 59 episodes. So we've given you more than 52 hours of content. All mm-hmm. we were really obligated to do was give 52 hours of content, right? Yeah. Instead, so we've we done fucking seven weeks off, Justin. <laughs> Maybe. We have delivered 59 episodes. At least four yeah. of them are good. And mm-hmm. over... This is one before I join the show. Yeah. And over 184 hours of programming. That's pro- probably makes Casey really angry. That's fucking disgusting, Justin. <laughs> 184 hours of my life. I could have beaten Persona 5 fucking twice, maybe even three times. Yeah, wait, are you playing that right now? Yeah, Is that I'm, a game only, made up? I'm only like three hours into it, but it's pretty dope. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, I mean, it's a cool game. I suggest checking it out. I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anything for anyone. Because Atlas will get our podcast taken down. It's a whole fucking complicated thing. <laughs> what if I tweeted the end of that game to you? Would that make you happy or sad? Uh, I've already had it spoiled because they um, they got really pissed off at streamers saying, like, mm. don't stream the game or we're going to fucking pull your account. So a bunch of people just started posting spoilers of the game everywhere. But it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, my friends. It's about the journey. Be like water, bitch. Well, I'm a state motherfucker. Be like water. I thought you said me like water for no reason. That was, that was me, very weird. Meef like water? Like it's water from across the pond? Me no, we're not gonna fucking we're not gonna fucking mention that guy on this podcast. We are totally gonna mention that wanna, guy. Is this heat real? Shout out to Miflof at Byron yeah, Fever man. on Venmo. Send him all of your money and hit him up on Instagram. Now, I want to know though: is this heat real? Is the heat with you and me for real? No heat is real. I don't give a shit. 
Casey's Shit, just mad at anything else that tries to infringe on a spotted dick uh, gimmick. Gotcha. All right, so um, got some issues. I'm gonna get some bleaching. Don't worry, King Ralph. Be pretty for you next time, Byron. That's a King Ralph reference. Here's my question for you guys. In in one year of doing this, and a lot of people think we've been around even longer than that, but we were we were going to like Lucha Underground, and we were there were other podcasts uh, that happened before it. But of this podcast, of this particular program, Mass Mats and Mayhem, with these three, with us three, it's been about a year, a little over a year actually. Do you feel like we've accomplished anything at all in that amount of time? I do. I can answer this. I can answer. I know the answer to this one. I think we've accomplished a lot because now we're able to do this without actually having to be in each other's actual company. Okay. I will say that when we started this show, we would turn off the AC in Byron's house because it was loud as hell. <laughs> we were doing this as an audio podcast at the time. And uh, by the time it was done with whatever four hours of, of yapping we would do, that would drive Casey insane. We were some sweaty, nasty, like temple sweaty, nasty pigs. It was disgusting. What the things we did during those first 22 episodes or whatever. Oh, I mean, people should know how much we went through to, to bring them this quality programming. I'm going to no comment. You know, all my all my talking to, to any of these people just brings me nothing but discomfort. Um, so and I don't think it's much different. Uh, but really, it sounds Nothing's like for striking outside my window right now. I don't know if that's picking up over the podcast, but there's like 5,000 fucking helicopters going over my house. Um, I hope Byron didn't just swap me for saying I was going to put my dick in his face. But I was going to order you a pizza, but then I thought you would actually be happy to have pizza show up. So I did this. I already, I already ate dinner. I got to go to sleep early. I need to go to work tomorrow on my day off. Is that well, are you already dressed for it? I heard you had uh I heard you're into toast. Did you have toast that was buttered for dinner? There's nothing I wish more for you to start um smelling burnt toast. I'm just, I'm just throwing out inside jokes. Yeah, yeah. great. Massively well, inside jokes. Um speaking of, of inside jokes, um the heels. I want to talk about the heels for a minute. The the last real heels um those guys had an amazing (laughs) guest this past week one of our favorite guests mr eric van wagening how do you say his name eric van wagening ev dub i don't know why are you calling him a guest he is the fourth he's the fourth co-host of this show (laughs) he has appeared on this show almost as many times as Vinny massaro and urban (laughs) Um, yeah. but I, I, if you guys haven't listened to it, go and listen to it because it came out during the WrestleMania weekend. So I know a lot of wrestling fans might've missed it. Like go back and check it out because Evie dub straight up dropped that he met with Pentagon and Pentagon said that he is going to be back in Lucha underground pretty much. They um, had lunch together. Yeah. Well, lunch, that's another term for, I, I, I won't say what I think lunch means. No, I'll tell you exactly what I think sex? it means. It means I, sex, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? No. Sex? No. Well, I, look, there's other, there's other interesting revelations in that interview, and you guys can go and listen to it, so I don't need to go into all of it. But he also said that um, 
when asked who his favorite, who, when asked who Robert Rodriguez's favorite Lucha Underground star was, um, Evie Dub said Pentagon. Now, I had heard in the past that it was Puma, but he is saying that it's <laughs> Pentagon now. Which, oh, oh, look, there's another reason for Puma to get a little sand in his JJ. Well, uh, look, oh. I mean, let's let's we can talk about that for a minute, too. But I, I just want to, to to hit the Pentagon thing. So if, if people missed that piece of information, first of all, go listen to the interview because there's lots of other great stuff in there. But yeah. But the, the moral of the story is if at one point in time, the Lucha Underground sky was falling, it clearly does not look like it is now. Um, and I think they've backed up the money truck as far as they can to some of these guys. And, you know, they've settled issues within themselves. And, and you know, the, the moral of the story is it's Evie Dub's job and, and the other guys that are high up in the Lucha Underground program to make sure that the interests of the show are protected and the interests of MGM are protected. That's who those guys work for. Now, the interesting thing about Lucha Underground is everyone's making this product together, but everyone does have different interests. Obviously, Dorian has different interests. Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez has different interests because he's got a whole network to deal with. Mark Burnett and MGM have certain interests, um, which is, you know, the syndication and the longevity of the show and having their their characters and, and actors there. But, you know, EB Dub made it pretty clear that from his point, you know, he expects those guys to be there. They sound like they're going to be there at this point. They mm -hmm. do have beef in AAA, some of these guys. Some of that stuff may or may not ever work itself out. Who knows? It's the wrestling world. Who cares as long as they show up on the show that I'm watching? AAA. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with AAA these days? Fucking everything. Come on. What's wrong with AAA? Do we want another four-hour podcast or do we want to say what's not wrong with AAA, which is nothing? Well, I mean, are you, are you calling them a bunch of fucking clowns? Literally? I'm calling them a, a literal bunch of fucking clowns. Bunch of Bush League ass fucking clowns. Look, some of my favorite guys are still in AAA and, and are probably not going to leave. All they have sorry, are clowns. I'm sorry, you're such a big fucking Joe Leader fan, Justin. <laughs> like Drago's still hanging in there. That motherfucker's never going to leave. Him and Aerostar are there for the rest of their lives. Well, then they'll always have me for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> I love those guys. Those guys are great. Yeah, well, I hope I've seen them other. get stuck in a match where the teams are made up of a man, a woman, an exotico, and a mini. And uh, sure, I don't mind watching them in those matches. They perform, they 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 turn it on in those matches, and they look great. I love them. I, you know, I like those matches too, but I I cry, I die a little inside when it's all those guys are doing. But they they lost the tag titles and everything, and uh, the current tag titles. Can we can we talk about? Uh, Cuervo and Scoria, how they they took off their face paint and now they they, they look terrible, man. They look fucking <laughs> just doesn't look right, Mundo. does it? I no. thought Mundo was the tag champions. I think that's the only it's gold that Mundo doesn't have. Oh, yeah. Next pay per view. Yeah, it's gonna be a team of Mundo. And well, I don't know if we ever talked about that here on this Cross. show either, but Cross went in and did, got the run in to uh, help him out with that and. Uh, I yeah. knew Cross had a little something brewing, but I didn't know what it was. And I was beating him up about it, like, dude, are you going to, to yeah. TNA? Are you going to Ring of Honor? What's up? Where are you headed? What's going on? 
you know, I didn't know if he bailed on his Lucha deal. He's like, dude, just wait and see. It's going to be hot. Like he, he had a great level of restraint and not giving up the goods on where he was showing up. So whoever's got that man under contract in an NDA, he's a trustworthy guy. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> yeah. even talk behind the scenes that he was going to show up there. Like his, his best friends didn't know he was going to show up in AAA that night. And he doesn't tell any kids, so every time that I say that he's El Bunny, it's just me coming up with it. He didn't actually tell us that when it comes true. No, uh, see, I heard he was El Bunny because I've been watching the Last Row Hills podcasts on YouTube nonstop, and that's where I heard the breaking news after J-Man told me he swindled me out of my New Japan money. Yeah, what, if, oh, what yeah, do you expect, right. man? You can't send, you can't PayPal a heel money and expect to get it back. I know. Haven't you learned? It's, it's not even a fault. swerve at that point. It's like a bad guy comes up to you in the street and says, hey, give me some money. And you're like, okay, but can you give me my change? And the dude is like, yeah, sure. It's a come story on. of the, um, the, the crossing the river. What is it? The turtle and the scorpion. And the turtle carries Byron, the I don't. Scorpion. I don't know if there's well, enough time in the podcast the universe story. for you yes, to talk yes. about well, Sorry, Byron. We've got to talk to our guest. It's time. Let me talk first about this one last thing. Oh, my God. Do I actually have to use the mute button? Good gracious. So, um, It's a good story. I'm sure it is. Thank you for telling it to yourself. So the, 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 I don't know that we've ever hit this right on the head. I don't know if we've ever directly talked about this. But from the way I understand the, the world of things in Lucha Underground, most of your favorite performers are coming back like we've talked about. It looks like now we're going to get Pentagon back and Jack and, and a few of these other guys that people have been worried about with the AAA nonsense. You're not getting Prince Puma back. Yeah, and if he was your favorite, you have bad fucking taste anyway. I mean, Ricochet no, is awesome all like a season. Ricochet's all over Twitter. People are, you know, asking him like, "Hey, how come you're not in WWE yet?" And his response is, "Some underground fighting show won't let me go, or something like oh, that." Oh, they're holding you back. Yeah, they're, they're holding, holding you back, back by making that making well, their top fucking star. The thing well, is, Ricochet Ricochet is subtweeting life right now i think he has a busted jaw on the bad neck and he's just subtweeting life well and i, I get that i, I like get that and i understand his frustration but at the same at the same mm -hmm. time uh, from from the way that that i've heard the rumors have happened they backed up the money truck to him from lucha underground they gave him you know they offered him almost as much as johnny mundo and ray and some of those guys are getting and great deals and offers the best they could afford to to offer for that show and he didn't want them. And this is the byproduct of it. And yes, the hiatus hurt him, but it hurts everybody. You know, yeah. it really sucks that he's got to no compete until his, his stuff has aired. And I'm sure WWE doesn't want to touch him until he is completely free and clear. Why would they? It's just a waste of money. It's not like the guy needs to go and train, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I, and I get it. It's tough for him under the hood at Lucha Underground. He's not really getting himself over so much as the character but it's like okay you're turning down a, a pretty decent financial offer and a chance to be the top guy in the company you know to take your chances somewhere else and if that's his dream more power to him I, and i and i love the guy as a, as a performer so i hope that he succeeds over there i personally can't see a good gimmick for him in the first two years no i mean yeah, no. i feel like it's going to be a long time before he's back at in, in the top in any promotion outside of you know, something the same size as Lucha Underground. Justin, if you love him so much, why don't you marry him, first of all? 
And uh, second, look, I've been being a dick about him being a crybaby and stuff like that. Look, I, I, I'm just being a dick, but I also have to say, like, not as a dick, as someone who is actually concerned about your well-being, Mr. Prince Puma Ricochet. I'm not going to drop shoot names or anything, but listen, that's not a good look for a place that fucking complains about everything. Like, if they see you complaining about other promoters, they're going to be dicks about it because WWE are fucking dicks about everything. So just, I don't know, maybe not. It's not a good look. Well, I mean, it's that waiting game. You yeah. can tell it's getting under his skin. It's like, dude, when is this shit going to air so I can move on to the next thing? And I get it, man. He's sitting, you know? I mean, he, but he's not sitting. He's performing. He's everywhere. Like, he, he had a great week at WrestleCon. And he wrestled, like, 15 matches. That's why he has a bum neck and bum jaw on this. Yeah, and event. he was headlining some of them, too. But at the same time, look, if Prince yeah. Puma is leaving like we think he is, unless for some reason something changes at the last minute and he finally signs a contract with Lucha Underground, which I doubt will happen at this point, he is going to be bye-bye three or four months, I think, after his last air date for Ultima Lucha Dose or Trace. And... uh you know, I think it's cool because I think guys like A.R. Fox are going to step up into that limelight. Yeah. I'd love to see uh, Leo Rush get brought in as uh, El Hijo del Puma or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that guy could use a, a mask, like a cool oh, mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Leo Rush is great, and he's a little smaller than a lot of these other guys, but I think it would be a really cool gimmick to see him come in as, like, you know, Puma Jr. or something. That would be awesome. DJ, if you're listening, you can have it for free. Some kind of cat of the night or something, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, some yeah. kind of, like, claws. Oh, in the stop game. it. They could call him evening, evening nails. Um, well, and for those people who uh, want to talk about WrestleMania or hear us talk about WrestleMania and Fuck WWE you. stuff. That's my answer. Fuck you. If you want to hear that, you stick around because me and Byron will talk about it at some point in time, but Casey will probably boycott and leave the entire show forever when we do yeah. that. So we're going to hold <laughs> off on that because we'd like to keep him around for a little bit more of this forever. episode. Forever. Forever. I kind of stop ruining my Terry Funk impression because it angers Casey so much. Nothing angers me. Fucking namaste, motherfucker. Nothing. There's. I remember watching a part of the show and it made me so sad. Then I remembered how much Casey was crying, and then I didn't I even thought, watch well, it. Kind of like it now. You know what I was watching instead? I was watching episodes of the real Ghostbusters on Netflix, and that shit made me happy. It didn't make me sad. It's fucking awesome. That's I'm going to invite our guest, by the way, guys, but you can keep talking. Hell yeah. So, Byron, what, what's, uh, did you watch the real Ghostbusters as a kid? I did. I love that cartoon. I also played like the video games where it's just like the screen and the ghost flow around and you have the, the, I love Ghostbusters. Wait, so are you upset when you go back and watch the old Ghostbusters movies that Slimer is like totally different? No, dude, because in, in uh, Ghostbusters 2, they basically made him the cartoon character. It was weird. Hey, we're joined by Matt hey. Wallace. What's going What's on? What's happening? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Well, if you guys don't know Matt, first of all, learn to read. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think most of our audience movie, does man. does kind of know how to read. Um, uh, but Matt spent some time as a worker, professional wrestler. He's also spent a ton of time writing all over the place on some of our favorite sites and um like what are the sites you do you've written for vintage ninja from parts unknown oh yeah i've written for all of uh, keith rainville sites multiple times on multiple subjects i did a bunch of uh posts on american ninja during his american ninja blowout week on vintage ninja that was some good stuff Utica. yeah 
And Keith is also my one of my publishers of uh, the books that I do. So yeah, we go back a long way. Love the stuff that he does. I hope to see him this weekend, actually, because uh, Monster Palooza. So uh, every year, man. Yeah, I went. Uh, I said I didn't go last year, but I went the year before that, and that's always a trip. That's always a good time. Yeah, yeah Casey's gonna cry when I tell him I can't go. I got too much packing to do. All right, I I've already got. I've already got a car full of people. Dude, fucking <laughs> fucking Victor's going. You're fucking counting crows. Victor's going. So there. oh my god, what? What do you think He's my place gimmicks all day long. Um. So. Matt, first of all, I want to ask you, like your your other series of books that you've been putting out. I just wanted I want to touch on that briefly because you have to explain this to you because I haven't read those yet. I've read the right. one we're going to talk about tonight, but the they're they're cooking related, but like magical, <laughs> mist. Like, you explain they it to are, me because it sounds no, really I, cool. I'd be, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to pep, pep my shit. Um, no, I they are fiction books. It's a it's a series of urban fantasy books I do that it's set in New York City in a catering company, but they cater events for supernatural creatures like demons and goblins and all kinds of uh, things like that. Uh, so it's very, it's very, it is heavily food related, but I kind of describe it like Top Chef meets True Blood, you know? Okay, see, now that is highly inventive. That's, that's probably more creative than Byron could ever be. <laughs> I'm not making any judgments, I just got here. I like uh, we'll, we'll show you a movie that he did and you'll you'll agree oh, all right. that's a little blow well no i mean it's horrible i mean horror hey <laughs> it's three, oh no it didn't screen it's a monster boys in it screen don't sell the low blow man don't sell the low blow never do it yeah. <laughs> it's cheap it's cheap heat. yeah he doesn't sell low blows anyway because he has no penis uh, oh. <laughs> he off a bike terrible terrible um. Well, anyway, that's uh, that 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 sounds actually very cool. I'm gonna have to it check does. this out too. Um, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, I'm extremely talented, and everything I do is amazing. So I highly recommend. It's because the series is called Sindajour. The first book is called Envy of Angels. We're on book four now, but Envy of Angels was the first book. Everybody go buy it and read it because I got to keep lights on around this fucking place. So it, holy it shit, you did four of something. That see, that's impressive alone. You did four of something. I'm signed for seven. Actually, the series is it's seven. It's seven books long. The next one comes out uh, May 16th. It's called Greedy Pigs. So and yeah. so, how do you how do you get started doing something? Like, did you do shorts of it first and then kind of expanded and blow, blew it out to a bigger thing that could be seven books? Or no, well, these are well, these are shorter books. These are novellas. And uh, I heard about a new imprint that Tor Tor's a very big publisher of science fiction yeah. fantasy. If you're not if you're listening, not familiar, they had a new imprint they were doing that was focusing on novellas and shorter books. So I actually came up with this specifically for them, and I pitched it to. Uh, my editor Lee Harris, and he really loved the idea of doing it. So that's that's how that happened. Dude, congrats on getting with Tor too, man. That they, they published some of my favorite Conan books when I was growing up. So. Oh yeah, no, they go back. Uh, they go back a long ways. They they publish all the big, all the giants of the field. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm lucky to be there. Well, so for people listening to this show, they're probably like, well, why why is this guy who writes uh, these other? <laughs> You you were actually a professional wrestler on the indie scene for for quite a while, weren't you? Tell us uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, for ten years. I uh, started when I was fifteen. I started out in New York at uh, the legendary Doghouse in uh, Jamaica Queens. I came up with uh, Homicide, Low Key, Caval. Uh, since she's had like a bunch of names, um, guys like that. And uh, I worked on the East Coast for a long time. And then I went out to Texas. I worked the Southwest. Uh, worked Mexico. 
and yeah, no, I did. It was, it was, uh, I, was a big chunk of my life and a big part of forming who I was, but, uh, just never, could never seem to make it to the show, man. I just never had the, uh, I didn't have the body or the charisma. I was a pretty good worker, but just, just, you know, I'm a, I'm more of a dusty kind of body in an age of, uh, Cena's. So what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, not be Cena. That's what I would do. <laughs> we, we need more dusties now. God damn it. We do need more dusties now. I, but I fear that era is, is over forever. Sadly. That's really uh, DDP I, had I me choked up at hall of fame talking absolutely. about, talking about dusty, dusty yeah. road. Um, so what, what, what was your gimmick when you were on the indie scene? I started some my, of your gimmicks. <laughs> some of my gimmicks. No, I, I'll, I can go through them real quick. Uh, I started out, I was the one man riot squad. That was a straight off boss man ripoff. I had the flag jacket. I had the gloves. Yes. The gloves were wool because I couldn't afford leather gloves. <laughs> so I'm out there with wool gloves in New York city in the summer in a hundred degree heat, like an asshole. Um, I was, so I got tired of wearing all that crap. So I became the one man riot, and that was a one man gang ripoff straight up. And I looked like balls. You've been both twin towers. That's yeah. all. Never forget. Never forget the twin towers. <laughs> um, that was the first. I swear to God, that was the first nine eleven joke I was able to laugh at because I had lived in New York during nine eleven. But I saw that T shirt with Boss Man and Akeem and said, "Never forget." And I was like, "Fuck it, that's funny." I, I own that T-shirt, and yeah. I've worn it to shows and had the wrestlers stop during the match to say, that's a cool T-shirt. It was actually Cage that did it. Nice. <laughs> when he was little. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, one-man riot. And then I uh, I was in a tag team called the Legion Knights, and I converted to Christianity for that. Kayfabe, obviously. And I became, ah. I became Deacon Riot. And we did kind of an evangelical David Koresh kind of gimmick, and I was Deacon Riot for the rest of my uh, my career. Oh, that had to get some heat, right? Oh, no, yeah, all over, especially in Texas. You know, they, they love that oh. shit. I built myself as from Waco, Texas. I really played the crush thing. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it was good. It was awesome. Good yeah. You know, I, I had some of the best uh, Vietnamese food ever in Waco, Texas. I don't know why or how <laughs> that happened and why I'm saying it now. It's just you know, random, but Vietnamese people get around, man. They, uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that, really. <laughs> yeah. Really, three of them that can really cook landed in I got to recommend my favorite Vietnamese place over in Northridge by Northridge Mall. It's actually called Fucking Delicious. It's Fucking. Nice. Hmm. Awesome. So if you were you were on this this path to to wrestling glory, <laughs> where did the where did the uh, turn to to this writing stuff happen for you? Uh, I mean, I always I always wanted to be a writer. That was the first thing I wanted to do um, since I was like really little, you know. Um, and I kind of went back to that after. I don't know, man. Wrestling, I, uh, I'll always love it, but doing it, that just kind of, it kind of went out of my heart. And once you don't have your heart in it anymore, you can't do it because it'll fucking kill you. Like, it's just, you know, you got to live and breathe it. So yeah. I was 25, I was in my mid 20s, and I had no other marketable skills. And I moved back home with my mother, and I'm like, uh, you know, I used to like to write. Maybe I can try to do that again. And I just sort of picked it back up. And, and well, I, I think it's funny too, though, because, you know, having done a lot of writing and stuff myself, it's like, um, that's not necessarily an easier choice, Matt. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. I keep I keep saying I keep picking careers that uh, you know it's really hard to make a living at. Um, but again, I'm blindingly talented, so it's it's relatively easy for me. No, it was <laughs> I had the benefit of being able to regroup rent free for a while. That certainly helped. But within a year or two, I started getting stories published. I had the good fortune to get in a short story option for film. 
and I got the chance to write that script, and that got me into screenwriting, and that was a whole other a whole other arena that, and that you know you can you can make you can make some decent coin on even on the low end if you're smart about it. So yeah, I I have actually made a little money in that department myself and never gotten anything made. Only thing I can get made is reality shows. I haven't, that's, yeah, I, I, haven't, haven't, I haven't made know. shit. I pursued it and I haven't made shit. <laughs> Yeah, you spent your money wisely on college, didn't you, Casey? Yeah, I'm fucking grad school, even better. Okay, so you mentioned wow. the American Ninja thing. Um, I think one of your pieces on Dudikoff was probably the first thing of yours I ever read. Oh, that's a good introduction to my work. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I stand by that. I, I love that shit, man. I stand by it all day. Well, me and Casey are... are relentlessly marking out for anything ninja related all the time. I mean, we've had, you know, 40 minute conversations about Shokosugi, you know, shurikens before. So, nice. <laughs> we, we, we are those guys that you were writing that for. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. All two of us. <laughs> yeah. It always felt like that. I always felt like I was going for just that, those two people out there who'd really get it. And I'm fine with that. And yeah, I feel kind of bad that I don't have my giant sunny Chiba poster behind me. During yeah, the show, happened? like uh, the frame was having some problems, it would have led some nice ambiance to this ninja discussion. But oh well. So, <sighs> who is your favorite ninja of any kind of all time, Matt? Oh wow, man! You bring out the big guns. Yeah, uh, I got one at you. That's really tough. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get really obscure just for the cred. Um, I was a huge fan of WMAC Masters as a kid. I don't know if anybody yeah. remembers that show. It was amazing. Definitely. Ran for two seasons. Ended on a cliffhanger. They never fucking resolved. I don't. <laughs> tsunami turn. He was he was heel. He stole the dragon star. I don't know what happened. But I loved the ninjas on that show. I loved the Kabuki ninjas, the Camo ninjas. That had my favorite ninjas of any uh, media about ninjas. I have to say that was, and it was one. Right. Of my, it was probably my first. Yeah. So that was one of my first introductions to ninjas. Hundred percent, not the first time we've discussed WMAC Masters on this podcast. Wow, because Lucha Underground has a belt that is a direct ripoff of the WMAC Masters champion. It yes, it does look like that, doesn't it? That, I mean, there, there's been rumors that. There's been strong influences. It's called an homage. Right. <laughs> I, I corrected it. I said homage. It's okay. It's okay. DJ's going to be firing up at you in a minute, man. You're saying he's ripping stuff <laughs> off. Dude, uh, the guy makes star champion. He can, he can fire oh, up. All so oh, salty. with that again. Salty. Well, since we're back to Lucha Libre, I think we can actually talk about this now. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Ooh, so, who did that cover art? Uh, that is uh, Jesse Justice. My yes. Man. Yeah. If you guys aren't following Jesse Justice on Twitter, fucking do it. Um, since a lot of our listeners are Lucha Underground uh, fans, they might know him as the guy who designed the fucking belts for Top Rope Belts. There you so, go. Jesse. Yeah, so, Jesse's amazing. Yeah, and this this art, as you see, it's got these uh, these two intertwined heads here. One uh, Technico and one Rudo, yes, and um, which is the first thing that caught my eye about it because you know Keith yeah. sent us these in a big giant package, and I pull it out and I'm like, whoa, is this about some kind of mutation? <laughs> <laughs> that might have been. Maybe we'll do that for the sequel. I love yeah. it, but but it speaks volumes. Like once you've read the book, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. About duality, it's about duality, and it's about how the heel and the and the face, you know, the Rudo, the Technico, they can't exist without each other. That's always a central theme. 
you know, it always should be because it's, it's a universal truth. So, God, and so if I, you guys, you guys want to read a book with so many little tidbits for wrestling fans, there's even a shout out to the fucking Freddies and Leatherfaces and Wing and, <laughs> and I was yeah. watching that shit right before I was like reading the book. I've been having a yeah. total kick of IWA Japan and Wing. And I, I just started laughing. I'm like, holy shit. I was just watching Freddie wrestle Leatherface in a bat match right before I read that chapter. That's yeah. true. He actually was doing that. That is. Uh, I miss the 90s, man. I miss the 90s. Yeah, I've never marked out to my own book so much as, uh, as Rancor. Yeah, for that reason. <laughs> so when where'd the Lucha Libre influence come from for you? I mean, it sounds like you were doing mostly American style wrestling, but were you were you into Lucha stuff? Um, I mean, I've been in Lucha since I was a kid. Half my family is Mexican, and I, I grew up in L.A. So, I mean, I remember watching um, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar take on Octagon and uh, Hijo Del Santo on that yeah. big uh, interpromotional pay-per-view when I was a kid. That was probably the first Lucha match I remember. And then from there, it was just – I love everything about it, man. I think it's, it's, it's pro wrestling taken to the extreme, but not in a silly way. Like, they, there's a reverence, and they take it seriously. You know, it's that, it's that otherworldliness of what we do. Um, presented in just such a cool way. So I've always been into it. I worked in Mexico um, when I wrestled. I trained with, with luchadors when I was coming up, you know, the SAT and Super Aguilar and all kinds of guys. So it was just, it was always a continuing thing with me kind of throughout, you know, my life. Well, and, and, it, and it reads that way too. I mean, it, it reads yeah. like there's a, I mean, the whole book is creating this familiarity and this sense of, of being there from the, the smell of the uh, bacon wrapped hot dogs that, yeah permeate yeah. throughout the book where i'm like in the middle of reading i'm like shit i gotta get up and get some food <laughs> yeah. About that. yeah yeah we like we try to keep it authentic man as you know we've keith uh, as well you know he's he's you know he was he ran the only english language luchador magazine in the 90s like ever and we've both been to mexico and been to the shows and lived it and breathed mm -hmm. it so we wanted to make sure that that came through and you know you gotta have the bacon wrapped hot dogs if it's gonna be authentic so yeah, I love that. Keith was one of the first people that I think I, I bought a Lucha mask from because he, yeah. he would have them at, at a cons all the time. Um, what were you going to say, Byron? Were you going to throw something there? Oh, I, I was going to say that I just I love I love the elements of uh, of family and tradition that you included, um, but detailing the difference in generations. And um, I mean, there are a lot of details with that, but I think like the big elephant in the room when you do a book that's about wrestling integrated with non-wrestling stuff is like the issue of kayfabe. Right, right, right. And like you, you did a, you did a really good job, I think handling that. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts or what, what you were thinking when you were going into that. No, I, I appreciate that. Cause I, Keith and I talked extensively about how were you, cause you guys, you're right. You have to figure out how you're going to approach that before you do a pro wrestling story. And I think the most important thing to us was to preserve um, the legitimacy of, of the sport, but we were also going to be able to talk about the business and take it in a real and take that in a real way. So it was really present what's on camera up front with with reverence and respect and legitimacy, but then treat kayfabe, uh, break kayfabe behind the scenes and show the business aspect of it. And that's kind of how we balanced it out. So, you know, the action's real. It's, it's that they, they take that shit seriously. But behind the scenes, you get to see how they deal with promoters and how shows are set up and how everybody kind of has to work together to bring this thing off. And I like that balance for me. I always liked it when pro wrestling was handled that way in yeah. popular media. Yeah. So where, yeah. where did the idea initially come from before we get two more? I want to get into some points in the book, but I, 
I want to know where this whole thing came from, because this isn't just something you pull out of a hat and say, oh, <laughs> I want to write this all of a sudden. No, um, that was it was originally Keith. He had written a story. It was a little it was a little more on the cartoony side, but it had it had the bones, that idea of the Rudo and the Technico who are arch nemesis. And now they have to work together to like solve a crime. You know, it was that sort of like Kolchak, the Night Stalker thing but with Luchadors. And we were talking one day about wanting to do the originally this was a TV show idea. We came up with it as a uh -huh. to pitch as a series. And we, were, we just wanted because I've been, you know, we, we've both been trying to break into TV or at least I have really heavily. So that idea came up and I was just like, I just, I just love that idea of like buddy cop luchadors kind of like seventies flavor, but bring it into the yeah. now. So we pitched it around as a TV show for a while and we weren't getting a lot of traction with that. And a lot of, a lot of what we're hearing was rather than original specs, people wanted a property, you know, they want a comic book, they want, want a book, they want something. something they can, something they can option. So we figured, you know what, man, we just, we want this thing to exist and it would give us something to present on the TV side. So let's just do the book because Keith, is a is a publisher he has his own from parts unknown as his imprint and he's done a lot of i love key stuff because he's he's really into books um not just the content but the actual books themselves he makes a beautiful product he's he's a graphic designer first and foremost and that, that always comes through so we were like yeah i'll i'll we'll take this idea this kind of nugget of idea i'll expand it uh, into the into the book and then keith would put it out and that's exactly what we did um, yeah, that's a good way to go, especially with having a graphic designer as a partner. Mine, my writing partner was a graphic designer, but <laughs> he left for the NFL to do all their stuff. I mean, like, all of it. <laughs> we, have really, we have really cool shirts on our show now. He did our logo, though. He did our logo Not for it. us. That's, yeah. that's, that's our last our last remnant of, of Charlie. But um, So this world, I got to talk about this world because this, for the people listening to this show, this world that you guys have created this kind of almost lost in time between two countries place called Rencor that is literally grudge city. This is where is, yeah. all the wrestlers would go to have the big blow off match and the big arena there and the entire city exists inside this culture of wrestling as almost a little bit like Tijuana or some border town. <laughs> yeah just off the the map of what is real and it's mm -hmm. a complete like the the laws <laughs> are based on wrestling in this time oh, yeah, absolutely no that was well you know it was again it came back to that idea of where we, we just want this to exist so it was literally our our dream project it's the kind of thing you're only going to get to do once so we wanted to make it exactly what we wanted to make it the world we would want to live in and like this yeah. is the city we want to live in a city that literally has its roots in lucha libre and it's not just part of the culture, it's part of the government, it's part of everything. And we just both really like that idea. And yeah, we approach it from an idea of it's a city somewhere between Mexico and the US. It's got that real border town, touch of evil kind of flavor to it. We're never really specific about where it is or kind of whose jurisdiction it falls under because we want it to be its own thing. But yeah, that was, that was the idea is what would a city like that be like that was really founded, it was really just an arena that a town grew around. You know, I mean, I feel like we could find a piece of, of Native American property and we could make this city. We, we could give them that. your book and be like, look, look, chief, here's what we want right. to do. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bring in some money. We're going to put up this Coliseo over here. We're going to bring in some luchadors. It's going to be a whole city. It's going to be awesome. Hey, man, I always love working in a casino. I'd be fine with that. But no, nah, it's I mean, it like you know. Tatanka and shit, too. Like if we push Tatanka, they got to be on board. <laughs> Tatanka or Mickey James, either one of them. 
But so yeah. but here's the here's the thing I love about this. So you created this whole world, this perfect place that that you and Keith would easily go and live in. Absolutely. But yet where this story is starting is actually after the decline. Yeah. Like the yeah. modern era has kind of caught up to this city. Uh, the the wrestling isn't quite what it used to be. It's not the same draw. And both of your main characters are are both third generation, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're, um, it's uh, El Victor, which is, he's the, he's a Technico, and um, uh, uh, Mel Calaveras, which is, he's the Rudo, and they're both third generation, both the third guys wearing the mask and their family. And yeah, again, but again, it's, you know, we're only going to get to do it once. You want it to be everything that you kind of want to say about wrestling, and a lot of what I have to say about wrestling comes from coming up, you know, post-90s, after the territories were all gone. And um, so that, you know, it just, it just made sense to do that. We could have we made it in the heyday and done a purely f- a fantastical kind of thing with it, made it really, you know, big and bright and happy, but that just felt wrong somehow. It wasn't the story that we leaned towards naturally because that, that wasn't the era either of us experienced, you know. We came up after the decline. So we really wanted to talk about that and look at it through that filter. And I also just think it, it makes for a much more compelling story about these guys who – you know, they were the biggest in the business, man, and they had one of the biggest matches ever, and it's all over now. And they're not even necessarily doing bad, but they, but not having that in their lives anymore, it's such a huge change. And they do still kind of need each other to sort of make sense of themselves. So I just found that much more compelling than telling a story in the heyday when during the boom when everything was, you know, hearts and flowers. Well, I think it's good, too, because the, the, the reader has to live everything through their eyes. Right. And these guys being third generation guys, they don't even necessarily know what's real. Like Victor, yeah. his yeah. dad and grandfather were in the movies and whatnot and had all these old great stories. But, you know, they the, the stories when they got handed down, nobody knew what was real or kayfabe or what was a movie you know, anymore. So he's living his whole life as a shoot, not knowing what's real. and what's. No, and I, I just love that. I always loved it when you could work the boys, you know, when like even the boys didn't know what was kayfabe and what wasn't. And that's kind of where that comes from. But no, we, we wanted to, again, we're creating this, this Lucha Libre world. So in the world that we have, it wasn't just that they were Lucha stars. They were also the crime fighters and the movie stars. And there was no difference between reality and the mm-hmm. fiction. You know, they helped cops solve crimes and they, you know, they fought the shitty robots and they fought werewolves and they fought vampires and they did all this stuff but again that's declined just like the wrestling business so we reach a point with it's now the it's now the grandkids and yeah they've heard stories about dad fighting werewolves but they think it's bullshit they think it's just stuff that happened in movies and they think that their dads are just working them when they tell they think they're just kayfaving it when they tell them these stories so it's kind of about them confronting that and figuring out how how deep does this go was that legit you know was that a work or was that a shoot and that's one of the things they have to figure out as they go along kind of trying to solve these mysteries i mean that was the mystery of the book to me being a wrestling fan reading it the whole time i'm trying to figure out like oh well shit is this magical stuff a work or a shoot like right. where, where are we headed to this you know and i'm not going to give it away because i don't I, we don't do spoilers here but no spoilers yeah <laughs> but that's all that's a very universal theme though with you know you get all these stories handed down to you from your father yeah and you know how much are they exaggerations or how much is it real and i i thought that was a really really uh strong thing to connect to um personally i also loved all the little details that you put in, I love. Everyone loves a luchador in a suit. Of course, man. So, well, I'm a big guy, like double-breasted suit and a mask. That was always my idea of what was pimp. You know, like oh god, I, that, that, you can't look any cooler than that. You know, except maybe in a turtleneck when you went casual. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Women could rock a turtleneck. That's Damn right. 
I prefer a dicky over a V-neck T-shirt. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have to say that my favorite character is Stella. Tell us about Stella. Wow. Stella is uh, well in the story. Uh, the Rudo uh, Cal, he's he's hey, he had to leave uh, Rencor. They had a loser leaves town match. It was very rare for Lucha Libre. But it's the town. law, by the way, in yeah. this book. It's the oh, law no, yeah. that yeah. he actually yeah. has to leave for yeah, real. There's, there's none of this. Macho Man comes back five months later. Bullshit. You know, like he he lost the match. He literally is banished from the town by law. He has to leave. So he had to leave. And being a legit supervillain, because in the story. He's, you know, he's a Rudo in the ring, but he's also a Rudo out of the ring. Yeah, he's like a fucking art thief, right? Oh, he's yeah, like yeah. stealing he's, valuable shit. That was, that was the thing. He was a high-end art thief. So he goes to work for the FBI as a consultant, helping them catch art thieves. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stella O'Shaughnessy is the agent they assigned to kind of look out for him and be his liaison. And I love her, too. She actually came from, from Keith, because Keith is a New England guy originally. So her whole like New England thing that was totally a product of, uh, of yeah. work, working with Keith and hearing from him. But yeah, I, I like that character too. I like both of the women in their lives. Like he's he's Cal's got Stella and Victor's got Gypsy, who's also I think is a really great character. Yeah, Gypsy's so, a yeah. great character too. I like See, I like counterbalancing that. Yeah, and I know a uh, uh, Byron can attest to this, having spent some time in in Baston. And my, <laughs> my, my family is Mainers. My dad was a Mainer. There you but go. it's it's so funny because when they get out of New England. They don't want you to really identify them no, as yeah, that kind of no, New England. But yeah, then yeah. when they slip into the accent every now and then, they say you got to put something in the yard. Yep, <laughs> that's totally in there. Yeah, we got. Yeah, the and the character word, actually yeah. does that. I, I, I definitely laughed out loud, literally out loud. Not the lol of the internet <laughs> these days. <laughs> but you know, I, I had a good chuckle at that because I hear I hear my dad do it every now and then. He was born in Lewiston, Maine, and he'll he'll. Sw- you know, slip one in every now and then, and you're just like, Fair. oh, you must be getting angry or something. So you you no, lost no. the filter and you went totally uh, New England there. Nah. <laughs> you never get rid of it. You just kind of put it away for a while. You do. You can only hide it. Yeah. Again, that came from. Again, I wouldn't have happened on that myself. It was key suggestion. A lot of it. All the New England stuff was key, and I, we really made the character a lot richer for it. So that was one. Well, of I, I love that dropping her, especially into that world. And you know, she's mm-hmm. you know, th- with the Rudo too. It's like. She's coming into this world on the the darker side of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. I like well. You need that perspective in the story. You need that outsider that you can explain mm-hmm. things to. You know, everybody in the story already knows what's going on. So, for expository purposes, you had to have her as the device. But I hate it when people are just devices. You want to try to make them their own thing. And I was really yeah. happy with how she came out because I could have been a really dry kind of. Oh, this is just the chick that everybody explains things to character, but she actually has an interest in it because of her relationship with Cal. So I think it's seeing everything come to life uh, with him, you know, it, it actually has an effect on her. It makes him more real to her and it makes their relationship a whole thing. So yeah. I want to see her take Cal back to uh, New England for some candlestick bowling. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see if we can work that in down the line. I mean, can you just see him in a candlestick bowling alley with a bunch of, you know, Vermont rednecks? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be stretching people in no time. Oh, in no time. In no time. Beating them up with little bowling, tiny little candlestick bowling pins. We should do a bowling alley spot. It's been a long time, so it was a really good bowling alley spot. Great great spot. Um, So, well, 
what else do you want to say about the book before before I get into where I think this should go? <laughs> uh-huh. um, other than to tell people I really would like it if they go out and buy it, I you got, you've been great uh, dissecting them. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Actually, it's nice to be interviewed where somebody actually read the fucking book because it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> well, we had like six fucking yeah. months too. We were gonna yeah. have Matt on in fall of last year, guys. Just so you know, when he was like actually just done with this thing and actually cared about it and was like, yeah, it's my baby, it's my baby. I just finished it, and then. <laughs> Our schedules went haywire. And then as soon as our schedules got locked in, it was like, oh, we had Evie Dub on and DJ and Matt Stryker. <laughs> it was like we kept bumping Matt down the line here. So finally, it's like, Matt, we did read your book. We want to talk to you. We got to get you on the show. And nothing better than our one-year anniversary and the week after WrestleMania because that's uh, – what bigger week can you get to talk about a book with some wrestling in it? No, man. I'm honored and don't, don't even worry about it. It's no, it's no less important to me than it was six months ago. This is, well, this is it, a very personal book for me. And people really should pick it up. So where can they find uh, Rincor Life in Grudge City? Well, it's digital distribution only right now. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in paper book or e-back or e-book. E-back. You can get it in paperback or e-book um, right from Amazon or from uh, any fine online retailer. Yeah, yeah, and so, the paperback, the paperback's pretty dope. Recommend <laughs> getting the paperback. It's got good design to it. It's not like a, a crappy paperback, like if Byron wrote a book or something. <laughs> <laughs> now Keith doesn't fuck around. Really his face was uh, on my screen. I, I needed to. I will be. Yeah. Uh, I'll be happy to lend people my copy for five dollars too, and I promise to send Keith at least uh, thirty cents of it, and I'll send Matt like ten cents of it. So fair. If you could, there was one thing. If you could show the spine, it actually the book actually has laces right there. How you can see that on that? Can you see that uh, right so there? On the side, there, right there. Maybe it's on the side more. But anyway, I just love the. That's that's Keith. Keith is like. No, the book actually has to have laces in there somewhere, so it looks like a bat. Yeah. It does. It's uh, it's kind much, of yeah. It's kind of laced up right there if you yeah. look along the side. Um, and you guys, will, you guys will love it if you if you watched as many Santo movies as I have because it's spot on with all that stuff, and I love. It. And it made me very happy to read this book. It gave me good feelings because a lot of books, like I know, I know Byron's a big Nicholas Sparks fan. <laughs> and uh, likes to read the books that make you cry. And no, I don't. I like to read the books that make me feel good. And this book made me feel great, people. So buy it. Okay, so here, here's, the, here's your chance, Matt. Um, if uh, Robert Rodriguez and Skip Chasen and those guys over at El Rey Network are watching this right now, and they want to turn this into the TV show that should be on El Rey Network that it was designed to be. I know, what's, right? what's your 30-second what's your pitch for these guys to turn this thing into a TV show? <laughs> My 30-second pitch? It's uh, everything everyone loves about Lucha Libre and everything everyone doesn't know they love about Lucha Libre all in one package. It's buddy cop, it's fantasy, it's comedy, it's action. It's everything you want from a show about pro wrestling made by people who actually know about Lucha Libre and pro wrestling for a change. I feel like it's like Lucha Underground meets 48 Hours. I love that. That's, got yeah. to be, that's the elevator pitch right there. Lucha Underground. Yes. I love it. Love it. You know, and those are both fucking dope so there you go read it the book and, and it's fun it. there's funny stuff in there too by the way don't let it, don't let us discount some of the humor oh no everything i everything i write soon as you're it all it's it's all shot through with comedy I, I tend to come at things that way naturally so no it's a very funny book i do i just the, just the world alone like i could tell the way that you guys crafted it it's like this is a world where you create this world and then you can just 
set a lot of stories in it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, and we've got a lot of stories too. Trust me, it's it's one of our favorite things now, just to sit around and pitch ideas back and forth about what else could happen. But yeah, so are you going to do another one of these at some point in time? I mean, I know this one's still fresh off the presses, so you got to get this one around. Yeah, we got to get people to buy it. No, we have three planned. It's a, it's a, it's supposed to be life in Grudge City, death in Grudge City, and then Grudge City Forever is the blow off for this for this cycle. So <laughs> gotta love a book with a blow off. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love a book. Well, dude, it's you know you gotta have it. So that's our plan, like, but it's really it's really up to the people out there, man. If they okay. if they buy enough copies of this, then we'll do another one. If we, if they don't, then this is this is gonna be it. Yeah, we'll say when I got to the end of this, I was really. I was like left wanting more. Like I was, I wanted to yeah. know. Okay, so what's next? Yeah, well, we had to cliffhang it. You know, there's no other way with, this, with, this, with these kind of stories about uh, this kind of stuff. You gotta have a good cliffhanger. Oh yeah, it's great because you get to the end of this one and you're like flipping back. Like, did, 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 oh man, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you definitely do want more, which is good. Like, not to like people don't wait for the next one to read them both at the yeah, same time. Like, wait. get this one. Yes, there won't be a next one if you wait for the next <laughs> you one. Wait, so don't get some right now. Yeah. For sure. You can, you know, we got a lot of people that support stuff like our podcast, support this fucking book, consider it supporting the podcast. Cause I want to read the next two. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank There's you, a man. reason why they call it giving the rub people rubs feel good. People like rubs. Give them the rub. That is also <laughs> just took a horrible turn. Or but, Dusty uh, would think, give him the rub. <laughs> <laughs> it is too sweet to be sour. It really is. Yeah. The rubs. Um, where oh, can people Matt. find you, Matt? Yes. Where can people find me? Um, I'm generally around Twitter at Matt FN Wallace, and uh, my website is Matt Wallace dot com. Perfecto. You guys got anything else to add? I know we got a few other things to talk about, and I got to do some some lucha loot drops here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, wait. You had Colchak the Night Stalker behind you this whole time, Casey. No, I just I just grabbed it when he mentioned Kolchak the Night Stalker to see if anyone noticed. <laughs> this is how crazy <laughs> Casey is, man. Like <laughs> you can say one random reference to something, you know, Kolchak the Night Stalker from what seventies, seventy nine, and Casey just like, bang. man, you're insane. Your room is a special place, Casey. Special, special place. <laughs> where, is, where, is, where the magic happens. By that I mean a little all right, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. We're going to continue on with some more nonsense and shenanigans, and we will see you soon, brother. Yes, thank you, thank sir. You I can't thank you enough. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, that was Matt Wallace, author cool. of Rencore, Life and Grudge City. Dude, that I want to awesome. see that shit live action. I want to see a guy with a fucking silver V on his mask burning through werewolves and shit. Oh, I mean, right. it's it's going in a fun direction. It really is. Like you, yeah. you, you open the book up and you don't quite know what's happening. And it's like, is this just going to be about wrestling matches or where's it going? But it keeps building and it gets to the point where then you got crime drama in there and then you got, you know, street thugs and brawls and cool characters and weird shit happening in back alleys and possibly. It would, it would make a really dope comic book. And I, I have to mention a dope comic book right now. Go for it. Um, Cheeto Comics. They're doing Joey Ryan big in Japan. It's a Kickstarter right now. Go fucking support them. They already, you know how like sometimes you go on a Kickstarter and you're like, I don't know if I want to give them money or anything because it's never gonna happen. No, this shit hit its goal in 24 hours. So now's your chance to jump in there, get some stretch goals because you know Joey Ryan likes to stretch you out. 
and uh, from the Did inside. Did you have to do with the, the proctology fingers when you said it? Good Lord. I, I totally, it's Joey Ryan. I had to, of course. And um, there's some dope variant covers. The one that is a par an art print, and there's one that's a parody of the Spider-Man No More cover that is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. And um, so, like, you know, the Spider-Man No More where it's Peter Parker walking away in the Spider-Man uniforms in the trash can? It's, it's Joey Ryan walking away with his ass hanging out and all his wrestling gears in the trash can. It's fucking funny. And uh, five stars for that alone. But uh, I just want to show my support to those guys. I know a lot of a lot of you guys probably already fucking donated. These are the guys that did the Lucha Underground comics. That's all you need to know. Then that mm -hmm. that makes it good enough for me right there. Hey Casey. Mm -hmm. Hey Casey. Why is Emily still on Face Off? What the fuck happened there? She should. Dude, first of all, I got to say, fuck you, Tyler Green. Um, he won this week, but I'm not mad because of that. I'm mad because he retweeted all the congratulations and fucking spoiled the episode before I got to do it. I saw you in the DM. I saw you in the DM mad about it, so I have uh, avoided it on purpose. I avoided Twitter the rest of the day until I saw the episode. <laughs> Thank Dude, you. You saved me. Less than 24 hours. Give me a day to watch that shit, bro. So we're, we're talking about face off this week's challenge was intergalactic Congress. Uh, the first solo competition. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because Emily didn't I get kicked this, off. I thought this challenge was fucking boring. Well, I see, but I'm more of a sci-fi guy. So I, I like this challenge. Yeah, I mean, like, Star Trek, dude. you so, got to think about all the great, you know, characters like Jar Jar Binks and uh, I don't know, Klingon high council. They were all like senators. No, not buying it. Dude, dude, my my favorite my favorite alien character is fucking Space Bigfoot Chewbacca. Okay, none of these motherfuckers look like Chewbacca. You're not gonna put Chewbacca on a fucking. Um, I'm surprised you know, Emily didn't do something with fur. You know, she loves to drop Molly and do textures. <laughs> yeah, I know. But see, Chewbacca, you're not going to put him in any kind of Senate position because if he gets pissed off, he's going to rip your arm off. Um, arm if you're lucky. So uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just reading a comment from Keith in the chat. Byron, what did Keith have to say? I'm glad Keith was listening. Make sure we were factual. Make sure he's not correcting something stupid that we said. It's it's weird that you're stopping a conversation to have someone else read what Keith said because what Keith said was basically um, he liked your idea about the candlestick bowling scene, which is weird. <laughs> you're acting surprised by this. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for putting me over, Byron. That's really generous of you. I appreciate Keith, that. Keith, if, since you're here, I want to tell you that if you're at Monster Palooza Saturday, I will stop by and say hello. Um, well, so speaking of Monsterpalooza, um, quickly, let's get through some of these. Like Sig and Logan, they worked fine. Turn in solid stuff. Yeah. Nothing nothing super special. I still love Sig. He had a little issue with his, though. He was scared he wasn't going to be safe. Yeah, but he pulled it out. He pulled it out. Yeah. Um, Evan and George, however, had tons of trouble working alone. They did not want to be alone. They didn't like being alone. Um. And Emily showed a complete lack of inspiration, changed her plans from like Dude. some princess to a warrior, and then busted a major component and then still turned in something great. 
quite a great question for you, Justin. Since none of the judges seemed to notice, was I the only one that thought that alien looked like a dick? I thought it looked like a Cardassian, which also looks like a dick. But then this goes to Emily's whole thing of she doesn't have any points of reference. So uh-huh. she almost identically recreated things that have been done before, but she had never done them before. Nobody even questioned that she was stealing them because she wasn't. She was having an old idea all over brand new again because she has no points of reference, which is why she has to die. <laughs> And it's crazy because she's so fucking good. Like if she actually watched movies, she'd be unstoppable. Maybe Maybe that would mess her up though. Maybe she would get all frustrated like, oh, all my cool shit's been done before. (laughs) Because I don't think she knows that yet. But this one was like she basically made a Cardassian. Crossed with uh, iced tea from Tank Girl. Yeah, Yeah, like a a kangaroo Cardassian. Um, So, and we were talking about Peter Berg last week, weren't we? He was one of those other kangaroos in that movie. People keep asking mm-hmm. me to fuck Peter. Yeah. Anyway, so um, George, he had this. I thought it was solid, but it was a little cartoonish. It was like this big bug eye thing. And it was like it was a little more Jar Jar Binks comedy than, you know, Jakar from Babylon 5. And yes, that was a Babylon 5 reference to Jakar. Yeah, Sorry, I'm a sci-fi geek. Babylon 5 because Jay, Jay Michael Straczynski fucking ruined Spider-Man. But um, let me... But Babylon 5 is basically uh, Lord of the Rings in space. Yeah, I know. Straczynski did fucking Collect Call Cthulhu episode of the real Ghostbusters, now streaming on Netflix. Check it out. Um, but... Uh, you put that shit over like you're getting residuals. I love it. Shit, I did the voice for three of the ghosts, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. But uh, I'm not that old. But... Uh, Dude, George, they told him his was a cool toy design more than a costume. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, I would buy an action figure of his alien. It actually looked like uh, I'm really dating myself here. But the fucking Adam Power and the Power Lords, there was an alien that looked like him kind of that was a yellow dude. And um, the Power Lords were the shit because like he's like a normal dude. And then you flip him around and he's all like veiny and blue and fucked up looking like Byron's dick. Yeah. See, and I thought they were a little off base with some of their comments, too, because you know what happens in this this day and age? You want a character that's kind of like that, a big bug-eyed character. You know what they do? They don't do it practical. They'll do it CG. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't discourage this guy. We want more practical stuff, man. Don't don't make this guy not want to do this shit. He, he's, it was still good. And the loser. Yeah. Oh, Evan. Oh, what was that? I don't even know. Overweight circus drag queen blob that looked like a mound of silly putty left in the desert. What the hell was that thing? That was disgusting. I think it was supposed to be Mama June from uh, Honey Boo Boo. No, but she actually lost weight. Now she's just a fat slob. She's not a disgusting fat slob. You know what? She she fucking dates guys that molest her kids and then keep dating them. So fuck her. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Anyway, bye bye, Evan. Um, Huh. I, I'd say I feel bad about seeing you go, but that really was an atrocious showing that deserved to get kicked off of any reality show. I felt like I could have made that one. Oh, and he put it on crooked and admitted to it. So, yeah. I mean, like he knew he was going, dude. I mean, he saw his up there next to all the other ones. He knew he was going home. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. enough face off. Um, Hey, Hey, anybody want to talk about Lucha shop? Hey, Right, yeah, dude, fucking Lucha Shop. 10% Since our off. last podcast, um, they've been shipping a lot of Rebellion shirts, so I've been seeing a lot of pictures of people getting their shirts, 
and being really fucking happy with them. So do you want to be happy? Do you? Because I know the kind of people that listen to this podcast and I know what kind and of need sad to be happier. <laughs> yeah, you need to be happier because you're a bunch of sad, miserable fucks. So don't be a miserable <laughs> fuck. Stop on LuchaShop.com and use the special discount code miserable fuck. No, it's MMM show. Or is it MMM? It's MMM show, right? It's MMM show. Okay, so yeah, use MMM show on LuchaShop.com. Don't be a miserable fuck. Buy something that'll make you happy. And, and and then when you wear it, think of me smiling at you. And then you'll be extra happy because I'm fucking handsome. And oh, there you go. Fruity shop. <laughs> 10%. Oh, hey, Fruity I didn't loop. know Al, our boy Alberto Muerto was uh, watching Face Off too. He needs oh, to yeah, dude. Yeah. No, he, you, you give him a shirt, Byron. Money bags? Shit. Yeah, money bags. You're not even wearing any of our merch this week. Yeah, what's up with that? Why do you look like? Oh, oh, check that shirt out. That shirt is not available on uh, LuchaShop.com. That shirt's available on Amazon right now. If you search uh, Mass Mats and Mayhem on Amazon or MMM Show, you can get the Mark shirt. I don't think you can get our other shirt anywhere but Teespring. So I'll yeah, post the link to that. Be sure to click on it on Teespring. So every time you go to a website, you fucking see our shirt pop up. It's awesome. I, every time I go to GameFAQs.com and look at the toxic fan community for Persona 5, I see one of our shirts in the corner. Nice. That's pretty good. amazing. I, I thought like it was that. Amazon, but it's Teespring link. I clicked on it. And so what we need everyone to do is – I'm not sure. Can we, should we do a vote? I'm going to NXT uh, house show tomorrow, and I'm not sure what shirt to wear. I don't know if I should dude, wear my um, MMM show Mark shirt or dude. My, my vote is no shirt. Uh, um, that, bro. Free, free the nipple Byron. Save the whales is more like it. I, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in phenomenal shape, Justin, but thank you for oh. your concern. Oh. Um, <laughs> Body by rampage Jackson. What's up? Yeah. We're oh, going to talk about fat page in a minute here. But I was thinking about wearing my Tommy N shirt. What? You're not going to wear one of our shirts to a TV taping? It's not a TV taping. Oh, it's not I'm TV? I'm going to NXT TV taping later. If it's, if it's not TV, wear... then wear whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, it's right. Yeah. Uh, I went to full sale. I don't, need, I don't need any of those kids that, to buy my shirt. Wear that Twitwell shirt that you bought. There you go. That won't read on camera anyway. I want to yell Tommy in pants in front of th five-year-olds. Okay, first of all, don't. What's be his new name? By their, it's uh, it's fucking Alistair Crowley or something. I don't remember. Alistair Black. Alistair Black. That's a dope fucking name. Justin's gonna complain about it because that's because <laughs> Justin Justin is not as well versed in the occult as me and Byron, aka fucking Brahmin Byron and Brahmin Casey over here. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show brother. you my family tree sometime. I think you might be surprised at a few of the names that pop up on the uh, English Irish side there. Barry Manilow. And <laughs> <laughs> Barry Manilow. Didn't he just come out? Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> surprise. Uh, yeah. Like, was that a surprise? Was he keeping it from us or from himself? I'm just just saying. <laughs> all, all I gotta say is Copacabana is a dope fucking song. He can he can fuck as many dudes as he wants. Oh man, <laughs> um, 
anyway, what was I talking about before I was so oh, I was about to talk about fat page. I, I really want to talk about rampage Mo. Cause you know what surprised the shit it. out of me? You know what surprised He's the shit out of me? It. it was a good ass fight, dude. Oh, God damn it. You know what? I went to sleep because I only get the fucking three hour later feed here. Oh, well, you know what though? That one fight is on uh, the spike on demand thing too. Did rampage. So you, fight? you know what? I, yeah. I, rampage I, fought when Mo. When I'm working overtime tomorrow, I might watch it. Yeah, I mean, whenever you get a chance, it's it, that's one of the things. Like, I know a lot of people didn't see it. It's actually worth at least going and watching that one fight. The rest of the card was whatever is a normal Bellator card for the most part. Um, but it was actually a good fight. Um, you know, Rampage had Mo rocked in the second round, and it wasn't just leg humping. Like Mo was actually doing real wrestling and fighting. And Rampage, of all the people in the world was backing up and counter-striking. Like, when the hell has Rampage ever backed? I Like, I didn't even think he knew that that was a direction on the gear shift. Like, he was going backwards on purpose. And it didn't help him necessarily win the fight, but it certainly made it a much more interesting fight to me. I loved it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, just watch that fight. So, what was the other the UFC? Can card? I tell you my rampage story? I have a yeah. cool rampage story. Of course you can. You, play, you played the arcade game. I have with a cool me, rampage and story. Gorilla, and this the- isn't like your parable from. Wait, before you do your rampage story, I tweeted my parable. I, it's Aesop's fable, and I tweeted it so you knew is that, that I was. Is that how it. you think it's pronounced, Aesop? Aesop, Aesop Rock. spelled. So oh, uh, wait, before you do this, in case people, in case people turn off the show, let me do the drop for brave Immortal Combat first, because I don't want people to leave before they hear that Byron. And Those then I'll let you tell your story themselves. You see what they're doing? Byron, what is wrong? What is wrong? Do you have heat with brave? Brave is fucking with me. They think I'm like the disco inferno or something. And they could just walk all over me. And Fuck they're off. wrong. The, well, they're not right about it. Says who? Now, what hey. makes you think they're not right about it? That's, I mean, that's my real question here. What makes you think that they're not r- that they're wrong about you being the comic relief portion of the show that can be when shit they, upon at I, any point in time? When they tweet something that's an insult to me, I don't favorite it and I don't retweet it. And dude, you know. he fucking he tweeted saying I should be Godzilla's fucking valet in his match against Hernandez. No, listen. I'm see, this, is, this this is how I know you're exactly like Disco. You said you didn't you won't tweet them or you won't favorite it. You won't you won't cotton to that kind of stuff, right? But at the same time, you didn't block them, did you? Because you want to get over. You want to get over. I, I say, I'm not blocking them because they're a paid sponsor. You think I eat this chocolate out of my own pocket? No, they give us the money to feed us. I don't think that's chocolate, first of all. And second, it's I was talking about how they call from me. Iceland. They, Byron, they can slight you all they want. They call. They said I should be a valet. I'm a manager of champions like Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm not like fucking Sunshine or Precious. They were valets. You should be happy people just talk to you, Casey, with that face of yours. Oh, my God. Both of you guys. Yeah, I know. Because uh, they shouldn't be able to stop masturbating, right? To this beautiful face. Casey, but, do you have the, the match listings for I, I don't have it on this drop. I just have who's there. But I know that they've announced some more matches. Dude, um, 
Tell people I'm just guessing. to look at their Twitter, man, because they've been adding all kinds of matches. We got fucking JTG, author extraordinaire. We have authors yeah. on the show. Maybe we should get him on to talk about his book because I read that shit. You got Shad, who's also in JTG's book a lot, and half of the stories you'll just read and go, fucking Shad. You got, <laughs> you got fucking no, the looks really good. matches. You got fucking Leo Rush there. We got fucking Scorpio Sky. Scorpio, Scorpio Sky, I know you're a huge fan. I'm a huge Man. Leo Rush fan, too, though. Yeah, Leo Rush is pretty dope. Like, is Keith Lee going to be? Keith Lee's going to be there, too, right? Fucking Keith Lee is gonna be there. Fucking no Eddie. Wait, when is Fuck he go? Keith Lee gonna even still be available by then, man? I feel like that dude is gonna be WWE champion tomorrow. Dude, he's his great. He's like tripling by the hour. I mean, that dude is so good. Everybody who sees him is like, oh, I'd pay more money to see him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? If you go, if you want to pay money to see him. We might be able to hook you up a little bit with a special discount, right, Justin? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're talking about the Brave Immortal Combat Show. It's happening June 4th down in San Diego. Go to www.bravewrestling.yapsity.com. That's www.bravewrestling.yapsity, Y-A-P-S-O-D-Y.com. Um, get those tickets while you still can. And I think our promo code still works. It's just MMM, triple M. And you know what? If our promo code doesn't work, fuck, fuck you, you buy for a ticket waiting. anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's your own damn you're fault. You want to see that show? Oh yeah, and Teddy yeah. Long is going to be there. I almost thought for a minute Teddy Long wasn't going to be there after his swerve announcement of being GM on Raw. I was uh, like, oh yeah. shit, they lost Teddy over at the Brave Show, but then there was a swerve, so they didn't lose. Teddy. I was watching this Teddy Long shoot interview, and it was so fucking good. He was talking about fucking tony atlas and his foot fetish and then all those pictures came up and i'm just like holy shit i was literally watching this like two minutes before the pictures of tony atlas having people walk on his face it was amazing at WrestleCon. um yeah apparently he'll just lay down on the floor and have girls walk on his face with everyone around now which that's hilarious who knows what kind of stuff's going on in his pants when that's happening oh i There's don't want to know what he does with ketchup packets yuck all right, Byron, you were telling us a story. What was, what, was, what was your third parable of the evening? I'll let you tell it now that I've gotten the drop in. Remind me what it was. I'm not reminding you of shit. No, my Rampage Jackson story is um, I was uh, storm chasing when I was doing that on Discovery Channel. No big yes, deal. Byron was one of the stars of storm chasers. And um, we were in Kansas. We went somewhere to... Um, get really drunk and hang out for the night one of one of the guys on the crew was like killing it on a uh, guitar hero that night but they had this fight on the tv that was a ufc fight and it was a big one and i knew one of the guys fighting it was chuck liddell and i was like i know this guy i think chuck's gonna win because i've seen him beat people up before but he was fighting rampage jackson oh and you were in a redneck and town this is a really bad night for rednecks by the way and uh, so I was, no, it was, I mean, it's a bunch of white guys in polo shirts. I mean, I heard, I heard the N word probably more times that same night that you're talking about than I've ever heard in one day in my life. Wait, you heard what? The N word that night. Oh, I'm so, I, I lived in Boston for two years, so I'm used to it. Oh yeah. But that's a whole different meaning. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so, but the thing is like, 
I was watching UFC somewhat regularly, more regularly than I am now. Back then, when I was home with friends, so I knew who Chuck the. Hey, wait! Now I got to stop you again. So you do a podcast that is half related to mixed martial arts, and when you were chasing tornadoes, you actually watched more MMA than you do now. Yeah, well, I was home. We're in our one-year anniversary, and you've watched one show that we've talked about. Two. I like tweeted. I've, I've tweeted sometimes I'll like see something and then I'll watch a gif and then I'll tweet as if I watched the whole show. He, he even made fantasy picks for a fight. So I'll give him credit for that. But yeah. the thing is, here's this match and I see Rampage. I see Chuck and I'm expecting a good fight and I'm, I'm expecting Chuck to win and Rampage just clocks him, just gets a good, like, I, I guess it's a right hook on the chin and Chuck goes down. This is what happens when black people fight white people, Brian. You want to find out? He does. You know a black person, Justin? Oh. Uh. <laughs> You're a son of a bitch. I, I had no other option. Hey, I realized this. Um, hey, can, I, can I address after that? I realized that Rampage was legit and he was a shit. That's hey, all I by the way, something me- since I don't want to be here when you talk about WWE and Meatloaf's in the chat. And- yeah, Meatloaf wants to remind you that it's Roman's yard now. Hey, you know what? It might, it might very well be. I'm not going to watch the show. I just, I, I do want to say something about The Undertaker because uh, it's funny that all the heat's on Roman Reigns for the match when Undertaker doesn't do anything he doesn't want to. So he probably liked Roman Reigns and wanted to help the dude out, even if it was intentionally to get him shit on more by the fans so he could turn heel. I have a feeling it was more I, like, I think Mark went to Vince and he said, look, I'm done with this. Like for real, done, done, done. Who's who's your guy? Who are you picking? Who do you want to go over? And Vince said, well, "It's Roman." <laughs> and he said, "God damn it, Vince." And I don't think I don't think Taker cared. I think Taker was just like, "Dude, whatever, Vince. I'm I'm just telling you my end of it. My end is I'm leaving. I'll put somebody yeah. over for you. Give me a nice little send off. Give me the headlining spot at WrestleMania to do it because you know he went on after the title matches. Yeah, you know." So, you know, I think they worked out a nice little agreement and it worked out for him. But I don't want to get there yet because I got to give you my UFC preview. Oh, and I know I want Casey's going to freak out if we talk too much WWE. And, and I, I want to get my taker take on it. Well, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. UFC 210 preview DC versus Rumble. I got DC. Who you got, Casey? Rumble. Ooh, I like it. I like it when me and Casey like are picking DC. the title I, fights. Ready to beat someone up in the face. GSP, the Canadian guy? DC. Oh, DC. Okay, yeah. I like DC too, but I'm not a nice person. Uh, Look, this is one of those fights where I'm I'm giving you my pick as DC, but I don't know who's going to win. There is no educated guessing to this. Like, look, everybody knows DC can get on top, grind this dude out, do some leg humping, make it a very difficult fight for Rumble, but everyone also knows that it doesn't take but... 4.2 4.2 seconds for Rumble to cock his arm back and kill a man. <laughs> so, um, and DC survived a little bit of it last time, but I, I, if Rumble lights him up and connects more than once, it's Rumble's fight. I'm going to go with DC though. Chris Weidemann versus Gegard Musasi. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to vote for uh, vote. I'm going to have to pick uh, Weidman, because as we've seen, he's the luckiest man alive. 
You think and so? But I'm picking uh, I'm picking Gegard. We and Case are going to be split on this card. Oh, I love wow. this. You know, Gegard should win, but given I don't know. I think that I think that Weidman should win, but I don't think he's going to. I think he. This is really this fight is really a test of whether or not this slump for him is real. Like he he's caught a couple of bad beats in a row, and the real question is not if he's better than Gegard because I think that at his height he was better than what Gegard is right now. I just don't know if Weidman's still at his peak. If the real Chris Weidman stands up and these losses haven't gotten inside his head, he could beat Gegard Mousasi. I don't mm-hmm. think it's there, though. I know I hear what Longo and Sarah and these other guys are saying, but look, Aljo's been losing. Weidman's been losing. That Ray doesn't want to be training at that camp the same way he used to. Matt Sarah's off doing podcasts with comedians half the time now. I think that camp is just – and this happens to camps every now and then. I think that whole camp has just lost a step. I don't know if they have championship caliber in them right now. So that's why I got to go with Gegard. And it's more, it's more yeah. about the camp than, but who knows? Maybe Weidman turned a corner and got it back. Maybe he re- renewed his voodoo powers is what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know much about Cynthia Cavallo or Pearl Gonzalez, uh, which is on the main card on pay-per-view. Um, which I thought was surprising, but I don't really have a pick. I mean, I'll go with Cavallo, uh, Cavallo because I've, I've seen her once, but I don't really know much about either of these women. I'm going to pick Pearl because she's named after my second favorite of the housekeepers on different strokes. Okay, nice. Um, um, hmm. What, you have a pick there, Byron? No, <laughs> you, no he's just wondering who my first favorite is, and of course it's Mrs. Garrett. Oh, of course. Come on, she went on to Adelaide teach us all about the facts of life. Yeah, um, I wasn't a big fan of Adelaide, you know, because no. like her I mean, name's hard to say. Casey, I, I feel like you've pulled this facts of life reference on more than one occasion. Well, well he was talking about different strokes. I mentioned yeah, facts of about life. different strokes. Oh, Mrs. Different Garrett strokes. was on Facts of Life is a spinoff of Different Strokes, Byron. I don't know if you know that, but Mrs. Garrett went from Different Strokes to be the head headmistress of Facts of Life. And, and her uh, character changed considerably to too. Yeah. Kimberly went to the school. And then, so the first episode was what TV uh-huh. calls a, po- a poorly disguised pilot on different strokes. And uh, Arnold was in love with Tootie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's officially called a backdoor pilot, even though I know you don't like talking about backdoors, Casey. Casey is all about the backdoor. How about <laughs> that one backdoor pilot on Married with Children? With the oh that, yeah, fucking top of the heap with uh, Matt LeBlanc. Oh, I forget who the yeah. dad was. But the show was called Top of the Heap. I fucking know my shit, bro. Um, hey, okay, so the next fight. Let me get through these fights here. Tiago Alves uh, versus Patrick Cote, and I believe this is Tiago Alves going up in weight. So that's a tough one for me because both of those guys are two of my favorite mid carters of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Tiago though. I'm going to go with Tiago not making weight for the fight, even though he went up in weight. <laughs> You're a dick. Um, and then this is a great fight, um, which I, I can't believe it's the first fight on the main card. I think it should be, I don't know. I almost think it's a bigger fight than Weidman Musasi, but Ill Will Brooks versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira. I think Ill Will is going to grind him out and put in work here, but this is a this is the real test of Will Brooks in the UFC. 
Dude, and you know what? I hope he wins because he's so fucking marketable because Ill Will is like the best fucking name. Yeah, I mean, Dubronx is a terrible name, but Oliveira is a beast, man. He's He is no joke. He is a legit, you know, top UFC guy. He's just never going to have a belt. Um, now, so this is the pay-per-view. This is UFC 210 this weekend. The following week, I think, is a better card on free TV. It's the UFC on Fox 20-something or other. You got DJ versus Wilson Hayes. Doug Rose Joseph? What? <laughs> no, uh, Demetrius Johnson. Mighty hey, Hayes. I thought, I thought Kristen Joseph was bringing back his shoot fighting career after he fucked up Frank Shamrock that one time. I think that he could beat Wilson Hayes. <laughs> Um, so then you got Thug Rose Namajunas versus uh the karate hottie Michelle Waterson. Huge That's awesome gonna fight. be a dope fight. Holy shit. Jacare versus Robert Whitaker, and I love Whitaker, but Jacare is gonna piece him up. You got I'm Jeremy the alligator, bro. Exactly. Jacare Chomp. Uh Jeremy Lil Heaven Stevens versus Hanato Mukano. I said that the right way. Oh my god. Hanato Mukano. I, I yeah, I think we need um is is no, she's not in the chat. Never mind. How's my Portuguese accent better than my my Spanish? Oh, I thought you accent. were trying to speak Japanese. I didn't think that was Portuguese. No, Jesus that's Portuguese. Hinato <laughs> Moicano. Um Alexander Volkov versus Big Country, Roy Nelson, Louis Smoka versus Tim Elliott, Algernon Sterling. Let's just Let's just really fast pass by Roy Nelson fighting. Come on. He's on the undercard, though. Roy oh, Nelson? shit, really? Yeah, and Louis Smolka versus Tim Elliott, and I think Aljo versus Augusto Mendes are on the fight pass card. Like, this card is way more stacked to me. Like, they should have moved some of these fights to this pay-per-view. I don't know. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, I guess they owe Fox a big card. I'll, I'll give my predictions for that stuff next week, but I thought that was a big card. All right, your thoughts on Taker, Byron? Oh no! I ask uh, Casey about his Simon Gotch theory. I just thought that the original plan was uh, Taker wanted to go out uh, against Cena, and that's why he showed up on SmackDown to start that program. Mm -hmm. And also, I read some stuff about this, and it makes sense to me. Cena would have given him a big match; he would have made it a big deal, and he would have delivered. He would have carried Taker to a phenomenal event. Good match, actually. He wouldn't yeah. have botched the fucking yeah. finish. That's for sure. And the he would not have, pace would have made sense with the two of them here, too. That's for sure. But, but I think long range plans, um, Vince in, I guess a rare move with a taker match wanted, you know, put the long range plans of, of a gimmick over of a storyline over then takers legacy. And I think he wanted Roman to run with the whole, I retired taker storyline. Like Brock ran with the whole, I beat taker. And now you have like which uh, people are kind of forgetting. The Brock ended the streak. Brock ended the streak originally, so Roman could beat him and look strong. So yeah. it's kind of going back to that because that ended up not happening. It's the only thing that's left, though. I mean, you can't have Finn beat Brock. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, who's going to beat Brock? That makes any kind of sense now. Oh, we saw him like I don't know. I mean, up Orton, like what? <laughs> Seth Rollins, I mean, well, Cena, but Cena's gone. Seth Rollins was looking competitive towards the end of that whole thing between the three of them. I think AJ Styles is... Seth Rollins pinned him for the belt. 
Well, no, he pinned the other guy in the match. But see, this is the yeah. problem with Brock because everybody knows that he can legit beat up every single guy on the roster. So who me, the hell? Way to get yeah. out of I mean, this they're gonna have to screw out of it. it. You make it a fucking three way and have the other guy get pinned. That's all you gotta do, and that's all that's gonna happen probably. But, or they just leave it on Brock for a while. I mean, look, I, I, I take that back. No, I feel that I by know. the time you get to SummerSlam, it's got to be on Finn. Yeah. I don't care Finn how you get it there, but I don't think Finn takes it directly off of Brock. That just doesn't work. I, mean, I think I think it, I think some people actually do work with Brock. It's just it's just he was he was a monster for a while, and after he beat Taker, you had he's to a monster him. now. Goldberg yeah, came and beat him Taker, twice in like have... ten seconds, and then he finally beats that guy, and it's like superheroes fighting, and everyone else is just like a regular police officer, and these guys are superheroes. I think Kevin Owens can compete, but maybe not on like the first program he works with Brock. You know, but like, hey, I, I think... you guys know who doesn't have any superpowers? The fucking goddamn Batman. Well, exactly, but he gets to wear a freaking suit made out of kryptonite whenever he wants because he's got the money. It's true. So, by your Somebody logic, that means Shane, Mc, Shane McMahon is the guy to beat Brock. Oh, Shane yeah, McMahon. He was going to fight him. Wasn't he? No. Yeah, exactly. Can I, did, can I ask you if you saw at any point in Shane McMahon's WrestleMania match that he wasn't blown up? I didn't watch Shane that. looked fine to me. He looked blown up from the second he walked onto the ramp. Blown up how? I mean, he's an old like he, guy now. Like he was gassed out, like red-faced and winded and sweating. But if, dude, okay, if you're legit blown up, you're not doing top rope spots over to the table and then getting back in the ring and doing coast to coast and stuff like that. Like the dude was not blown up. I'm not, I'm not saying he's in chiseled perfect shape. He's not a daily wrestler. He's a, he's a once a year guy. But for a once a year guy, that no, didn't think blown up to me. I think he's in good shape, I also, but I also think that he's in good shape, like, but not with cardio. All right, um, Casey, give me the give me the Simon Gotch theory. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'd rather talk about the Undertaker, but I'll do this. We'll talk um, about that too. Uh, so, so everyone, Meltzer reported that uh, that uh, Sombra was going to come up on the main roster, and then. Right after that, you see Simon Gotch agrees to terms of release. So my my theory was that they that they leaked a bunch of fake news to see who the mole was, and when the when the Sombra thing leaked to Meltzer, they're like, "Oh, we only told Simon Gotch that shit." It's it's not what happened, but it would be funny if it's what happened. But uh, I don't I believe that at all. I don't believe anyone would be doing Simon Gotch any favors by giving him. Any yeah, but I also don't. I mean, Sombra didn't come up, did he? Uh-uh. No. And I don't didn't see any did. reason why he should, to tell you the truth. Like, is his English better than I know of? How's he going to get over on TV being a, a low mid-card guy that can't speak English? You've seen what happens to all those guys. Well, I mean, yeah, the thing is, like, none, he's worked None, of this, none of this matters, gentlemen. Group. I'm about to leave the show forever because of all this WWE talk. I Listen, listen. I, I got I to gotta talk about The Undertaker a little bit because uh, this is this is big. All right. Uh, Justin didn't know me back then. Byron, Byron knew me in high school. He knew what a huge Undertaker fan I was then. And I was already one for years before that. Like, you know. Uh, cause he's fucking awesome and he's, you know, his character represented all the shit I love. You know, I like, like horror shit. I like spooky stuff. 
I've always been that kind of person. And it's like, uh, fucking, it's like, fuck yeah, love The Undertaker, love Paul Bear. They're great. Kane, Kane can suck a dick, but you know, um, it, it, he was a very important character to me in high school because that's when he actually like fucking started to win and win belts and shit. And that was important because being an Undertaker fan before that fucking sucked because um, Undertaker did a speech when he won the title uh, in, you know, the uh, when he won the belt from Sid, uh, I think was when he did it. He, he said, you know, I've been through a lot and uh, I did things my way. And he got a little a little emotional when he said it, and there's a couple reasons for that because uh, he didn't play like politicking shit back then, and it was to a detriment to his career because he didn't get the belt until after the whole click thing died down. And uh, I know I know you guys are all remembering when he beat Hogan for the belt. Well, Hogan pretended to be injured after that match from the tombstone that Undertaker did, and kind of gave people the impression that Taker was sloppy and fucked up moves a lot. And he was too dangerous to be in a main event spot. And I think we, if you watch the actual footage of the original broadcast of that show, you'll know why it might be the one they're using on the network now. Um, but the home video version wasn't, they were cheering Taker over Hogan like a lot. And um, there's a story that went around that years later, like for uh, one of the Undertaker DVD sets, Taker watched the match he had with Hogan again, and he was fucking pissed because he saw that tombstone that fucking Hogan claimed to be injured on to get time off or whatever and to knock a guy down a notch that was the new hot thing didn't come anywhere fucking close to hitting him. There's like a gap like that. But Taker didn't watch the match. He was just fucking in it, you know? So he he thought for years that he injured Hulk Hogan. And then uh, there was a whole thing where, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a member of the clique. So he wasn't in that whole mix with, like, Sean and Diesel trading the belts back and forth and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you got to see him wrestle Brett once, and that was, like, a fucking dope match, too. Uh, and... You know, it, a lot of his booking was around getting really big, sloppy, shitty guys like fucking Giant Gonzalez, the worst wrestler ever, and uh, putting him against bigger guys because Vince thought that was what worked. And uh, it took a really long time for them to catch on and think, dude, having him against like a smaller, smart guy is more interesting, right? Or a smaller, crazy guy. Because after he beat Diesel and Diesel left for WCW, the next night he started a feud with Mankind, who was another one of my oh. favorite wrestlers. And let me tell you, that feud was fucking great. It, it it got a little weird, like when they brought in Terry Gordy as the executioner, and he was not the Terry Gordy that anyone I had so many issues with all of it because I wanted Mick to be Cactus Jack and the Terry Gordy yeah. thing was weird. I had so many issues with that feud. You know, honestly, I wanted Mick to be Cactus Jack, but I was just happy to have him on TV. And I thought Mankind was a dope character. And for those of you that started watching after he was already like the living Muppet version of Mankind, uh -huh. you really missed out. We're talking about, you know, brown shirt Mankind that looked like a turd man. And fucking 
played piano and smashed his fingers. And when he would do the mandible claw, people would kind of start to vomit, which was awesome. But then like, they got a lot of heat for that. So they had to stop. And, uh, it, you know, that, that whole feud was great. Um, cause it also led to like, okay, the mind games match between mankind and Shawn Michaels, which is one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. Probably my mm -hmm. favorite McFoley match ever. Uh, it's either that or, uh, maybe like him versus sting at beach blast and uh but you know the hell in a cell match was great and you know everyone gives foley props but taker was doing the whole match with the fucking broken in leg broken ankle and he's climbing to the top of cages and shit like that well and that look nobody would have cared about the crazy shit that mick was doing if the other end of it hadn't been taker right and i mean he was getting the hockey chance after throwing him off of the cage they weren't Channing for Mick, but, uh, I love both guys. Like I was totally playing the fence on that feud because dude, like, like legit, like that boiler room brawl match. I must've watched that like a thousand times on tape. Like I have that match fucking memorized and, uh, you know, it, it paid off because my undertaker fandom, like the pinnacle of it is something is like an experience that not a lot of people had. Universal Studios House of Horror Nights had a fucking Undertaker maze once, and it was amazing. Amazing. And, uh, dude, it was great uh, going through that and having, like, they hired, like, 20 fat dudes to play fake Paul Bearers, and uh, they had, like, a gangrel crucified on the walls, and there was a mankind, and there was a cane in a cage that would swing a chair at you and shit. It was pretty amazing. And uh, really, really, like, not the best production value, but it was fucking cool. And, um, you know, Taker got to start wrestling smaller guys after that. That's when he started having all these fucking WrestleMania five-star matches and stuff like that. Shit like Sean, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I wish that maybe it had been Bray that he passed the torch to. Yeah, I agree. It should have been Bray. I, I just can't, I, I can't really see it. I mean, it could have been Braun, but it I just feel like Bray, I feel like Bray was the right choice, and the Randy program was weird anyway, and was he was wasted at yeah. Mania? Why not have it be Bray? Yeah, and I mean, I see, but I didn't want like a bunch of sperms on the mat chasing the Undertaker around. But y'all, yeah, but you also look at it like is is Undertaker's at this point? They already did. They already broke the streak. So is Undertaker's retirement match more important than any kind of rub to be given from it? Not when it's Roman. The crowd's not going to no, let it be. What sucks is they didn't advertise it as a fucking retirement match. Like, they should have done that. Yeah. I mean, we all knew it was going to be, but it's like... I mean, look, as the night was going on and, and it wasn't in the middle of the card right. and you realized, uh -huh. oh, shit, they're doing the title matches now and he still hadn't gone on, it was like, okay, yes. And, and I predicted last week on the show that he was going to lay his gloves and his hat down in the ring. I didn't realize he was going to put on the duster also and take the duster yeah, back good. off. Threw me off, man. Made my prediction wrong. Because other than that, I nailed it to the T. Um, but I also could not have predicted that that match would be as dismal as it was because I just really, really did not like that being his final match. Yeah. yeah I would have preferred giving him original the best thing. opponent. He originally wanted to take off all of his gear and walk down that long ass ramp just fucking hanging dong. Uh, <laughs> but this wouldn't let it happen. 
Yeah, I heard they won't even let the talent uh, swear or anything. They don't even put the language warning on WrestleMania. They get fined if they curse at WrestleMania because they want to keep it a complete family show. Oh God! One of my favorite WrestleMania moments is cursing when uh, when it was that that Evolution versus uh, The Rock and Mankind match, and, and uh, Ric Flair like The Rock's going for a hot tag, and Ric Flair's like, "Get back here, motherfucker!" Oh, it was great. Yeah, but I think it's good for for WrestleMania. You know, like the room I watched it yeah. in had a bunch of kids, and I think it's good for WrestleMania to be a completely clean family show. I and by the like way, all the kids I was watching it with got the the Triple H and uh, Seth match actually got over because they bought all the ring psychology with the broken leg, with the with the injury. I mean, these little kids were loving it because they'd never seen that gimmick before. And I was like, oh, this is so tired. But all these little kids were going nuts for it. I couldn't believe it. You got to show those kids some Ric Flair matches now. It's your duty to do so, Justin. I guess so. But I mean, yeah. it also, you know, like watching these things through a kid's eyes, you, you, you see why a lot of it still works. And it's like, as much as I want to hate Vince sometimes, I start to realize why they do some of the shit that they do. But then you also realize that some of it doesn't even work with little kids like Undertaker Roman at four in the morning or whatever hell time that match actually went off. Like nobody wanted to see that sloppy shit. Then nobody wanted to see Undertaker go out with that. I wish it had been a shorter match even. Yeah. Like in, in he couldn't do some of his old move set. And these guys are just walking through the same five freaking moves over and over again. I couldn't, I, Oh, like didn't, didn't Roman botch like a tombstone reversal. Like he couldn't lift taker up. Yeah. And I think, it, I, and I couldn't even tell if it was a work or if it was a shoot or what, like, I feel like part of the, the gimmick was the fact that they were supposed to just both gas out trying everything leaving it all in the ring until finally one of them comes out on top, but it didn't play out that way. It looked like two guys who shouldn't be working together being unsafe and not knowing what to do next. And, and you know, what could have made it work if Roman debuted a new finishing move, that yeah. one thing could now, have sold it. You know, what could have made it work. Justin is if Steve. they hit limitations with fucking gimmicks like Lucha underground is smart enough to do. In like the Cerro Miedo match, for example, right. come up what with another like reason for it to happen. Come down and they just and they shot fake lightning bolts at each other instead. Yeah, dude, the, you know what? The Randy fake Bray match was bolts. enough of that weird fake shit. Yeah, dude, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, the greatest moment in wrestling history is when Papa Shango made the Ultimate Warrior barf <laughs> on that dude. You guys gotta no. like, come on. Oh, I don't know. There's several times where the boogeyman dripped like worms into people's mouths that I thought were were equally as exciting. Uh, did you did yeah. you see the time that he bit the mole off of Jillian Hall's face and ate it? That was pretty fucking great. Oh, uh, I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah, it it was cool. Um, I I fucking love the boogeyman. Uh, I I also love that he still wears like a black hood over his face in public, like and hides his gimmick. It's fucking funny. Weird. He had his teeth pulled from his mouth. Dan? Boogeyman. Yeah. 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 For, to get the look, he had teeth removed from his face. Well. Okay. Why? Patterson said they were sharp. And he made it's a lot weird. of money in those years. Why not? How else are you going to get all those worms in there? It's yes, weird. I mean, it's bad enough like Snitsky had to shave his eyebrows off, but th they would grow. Aaron, you're saying that workers are weird. 
These are you people know, who want to get beat up for a living. I'm saying Snitsky pulling got your teeth, teeth out permanently stained, you guys. Did you know that? That Snitsky, Snitsky wasn't did? wearing the face-off teeth stain shit? He got that shit permanently stained and then had to get it taken off. Another renowned foot fetishist, him and Tony Atlas. Brilliant. And Tarantino. Um, I, uh, so I do want to talk about a couple of these other matches, but I don't want to interrupt any if you have any more taker thoughts because I know he was special to you, Casey. Yeah, he was. He was my favorite wrestler of all time. He always will be. As much as I love Pentagon, it's a fucking Undertaker, man. And uh, yeah, he meant a lot to me. And uh, I am glad that I stopped giving a shit about WWE before he stopped wrestling there. Well, I did. I did actually like the retirement. I do like that they had him be the last thing at WrestleMania. I was totally that ending. I'm glad they didn't stop the show cold with the loss or whatever. Like, I'm glad he got his moment. They cut away. Why they shot off the fireworks for Roman was just ridiculous to me. Why didn't you just save them for Taker? Like, they could have saved him for Taker walking up the ramp after he laid down his hat. I just didn't get it. Like, they still think that Roman's the babyface, even though on Raw, oh my God, did you, uh, did you either of you watch Raw and what happened to Taker? I watched oh, Roman. I watch WrestleMania. I'm not gonna watch Raw. God. Roman Jesus. comes out and he was getting "Please go away" chants, like "Go away." I I've never heard that before. Well, like those he, are those are untraditional fans, Justin. I love that they did that disclaimer for both SmackDown and Raw. Like we needed the disclaimer, but they let it all air. I mean, fuck you, Roman. Go away. Uh, he came out for four minutes. They cut the the crowd cut him to bits, and then he's just yeah. like, "It's my yard now," and leaves. It's like, what what is Vince doing? I don't even understand. Yeah, it was it. Smart. That, that was, was so mania. Everything I heard was amazing from that. But okay, guys, I'm gonna let you talk WWE because, like the Undertaker, I'm gonna take off my hat. And I'm gonna put it down. And I'm you gonna don't wear the hat. What's up? You're not wearing a hat. I'm not wearing a hat, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It was a metaphoric hat, okay? It was it was a metaphor for my for my fucking anger and my hatred because there's none. This smangry thing is over. I'm a happy person. Namaste, motherfuckers. I love that dude. I don't know what's wrong with him sometimes, but I, I don't even really have that much to say about WWE stuff anyway, but what were you going to say? I wanted to talk about some of the guys that got called up and some of the re -debuts, Oh, I was going to say that uh, WrestleMania, you could hear um, them mute the crowd mics for Roman like they do when he gets booed. But I'm but thinking like, why would you care? Raw. That surprised me. They didn't he's going against that stuff Taker. Why wouldn't you want him to get booed against Taker? That's what I... I don't know. They still treated it like he was the face in that match somehow. I don't even understand it. It's like, wait, no, obviously Taker's the face. You know, Roman's the heel. Why, why, why are we pretending that anything other than that is what's happening here? I did not. It didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I think they're doing it on purpose. I think he's he's like, I'm the I'm the new super Cena, and there's nothing you guys can do about it. And I think they're doing that on purpose. I think that he would actually get over for real. I mean, you know, let him be a heel. 
Let him do yeah. the thing that The Rock did. Like The Rock became a superstar and people started to love him after he was a heel. Roman can move merch. He's got a great look. The chicks love him. He's not a terrible performer. I mean, he's certainly good enough. I mean, Rock wasn't that good. His high spots were a little more fun than Roman's. That's for sure. Like I'll take the the rock bottom over the Superman punch any day. But at the same uh, time, like is a real path to victory with that guy that they're just completely ignoring. And I don't understand it. And it's going to be to the point where they burn him out for real to the point where people don't care anymore. So I, I don't know what they're doing. Cena Miz. Um, I love the Miz. I love all the promos, the match itself. Oh, the wedding proposal thing was whatever. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people popped for it and thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I watched that match at work and people, I there was actually a crowd on my iPad for that, for that moment. Well, yeah, it was interesting. Like, look, they have to do big television. Like marks are not going to go for that kind of stuff, but casuals are. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, the Brock uh, Goldberg match completely delivered to the casuals that it was meant for regardless of what any marks think or what any of us think like i saw the casuals reaction to that thing it was exactly what they wanted from it it was exactly what they expected goldberg was totally over with them yeah you know it worked exactly as planned for probably 70 percent of the audience they're just not the 30 percent that always watch <laughs> i i mean i really enjoyed that match um i don't think we were going to get another Goldberg DDP at this stage in the game. No, I mean, I think it was as good as, as could be expected. It was actually better than I thought it was going to be. So I, I wasn't too upset with it. I mean, the finish was exactly yeah. what we thought. And uh, I thought Brock did a good job with Goldberg too. I thought he protected him the right way. I thought he didn't overdo his moves because um, he didn't want to break old man Bill, which was probably yeah. smart if they want to get Bill back for another couple little spots here and there. Um, yeah. I think it went down exactly as anticipated, except you have the one giant problem of now the belt's on fucking Brock. Great. We're giving the belt some prestige, which I said needed to happen. Um, but now we're at that point and it's like, I would, I'm actually curious to see what their plan is to get the belt off of Brock or maybe if they just leave it on him for a while, but he's not going to be there full time. So I don't know if you'd want to. Well, you have the shakeup coming up. So what happens? Do you even switch champions and send Brock to SmackDown? I don't think that's rumored, but I don't know. Maybe don't know. they've done that with the titles before, where they where they switch where they were going. Um, mm. The the Hardys debut, awesome. Uh, yeah. I I was pretty sure it was coming a long time ago. I predicted on this show three or four weeks ago that the Hardys would be at WrestleMania this year. I mean, once uh, you see them lose the Ring of Honor titles, it was all but written. Well, yeah, but I but I said it through way, way before that. I thought that they were going to get that deal done in time. I felt like they were going to... I thought they were going to drop the Ring of Honor titles sooner um, and make it less transparent, but um, I felt like the writing was on the wall. We'll see what happens with the broken gimmick. I mean, you heard the whole crowd. Like, yeah. you thought it was amazing when five or 6,000 people were chanting delete? Try 60. Don't believe that yeah. 70,000 number that they give you at the WWE. There are 60,000 people in there, which is well, why I think there's a court case. And I think it's a matter of like, just kind of figuring out, you know, the compromise between the two parties. And I think WWE doesn't want to just, they don't want to get involved until that's settled. Well, what but, I think, what I think would be great though, is if Matt comes back 
and he tries to be team extreme, but you just start seeing the the ticks and that it's and then that the whole gimmick is that it's broken Matt trying to be team extreme Matt. But slowly over well, time, he just can't do it. And broken Matt comes back through. Um, well, and- if you watch his intro, watch watch them come out. You'll see him do the the Hardy Boys thing, and all of a sudden, boom! He's into he's broken again. Yeah, I mean, like, he's going back and forth. Which I just think I think it'd be fun if if they play that angle of him really trying to maintain being mm. Matt, um, and then actually going back into broken Matt, and then you know that'd be awesome to see him t- become broken. I like I like the gimmick to uh, the match. I thought the match was good. I felt a little bad for Sheamus. <laughs> Cause I think that Seamus has been on a great role and that match was a bit much for him. It's really not his thing. Um, yeah. But if you're going to be in the tag team division and there's going to be Hardys around, I expect those matches to happen every, every couple of three months. <laughs> How about, um, I think the biggest news is Seamus being a smart favorite. Now it worked. The stupid over with the non-smart crowd, the stupid, ridiculous best of seven, no real blow off thing has actually paid off. I hate Vince McMahon. I cannot believe that somehow after the worst angle ever that those two guys could get in, that they actually made something out of it. And this, my friends, is why sometimes you just have to give it time. Yeah, you really do. And this is, you know, and it's hard because when you're watching it, it's painful. It's painful to sit through four months of watching that develop. It really is because it was not good at first. And but, but it, we were expecting like the best of seven, that story to finish at seven. Yeah. And instead and it stalemated at seven, turned into this other thing, which made it drag on even more. And everyone's like, oh, brother. And then they were doing a little bit of the, the Jericho bit where it's like, we're already seeing a better version of this. So why do I want to see it from these two guys? But now that they're on the same page and you've seen them struggle to get there, it totally works. And Seamus, I, I liked Seamus a, a long time ago, and then he mm. got stale because they overused him and misused him and then didn't build him up enough, didn't let him stay at the top the right way. But I liked him back then. He was fun and interesting. You know, Vince loves his Irish guys. And then, you know, it just, I was like, well, this guy's done. They burnt him out. But they've reinvented him, and it works. So more power to him. Um, the call-ups, the revival. Now, yeah. For people who watch NXT, you know who the revival is. I was surprised how, and this was a great time to bring them up for the simple fact that so many Smarks were there to help mm. let the people who have no clue who the fuck these guys are, because believe you me, the majority of the audience has no idea who the revival is. But Orlando's their city. But Orlando's their city. The Smarks were out in force. This was one of the best calls of the WWE all week if they're trying to get these guys over. Now, I think they're going to bury the crap out of them two weeks from now, but to let them come in there, to let them get over on the longest reigning tag team champions ever or whatever, yeah, brilliant, loved all of it, thought it was a very good call, and I'm not even that big a fan of the Revival. Yeah, no, I I mean, I really really like the Revival for what they are. I think they deliver in the ring. I, I mean, I think they're phenomenal as far as in-ring action and stuff making sense in their fighters. Um, and, you know, they don't, everything, this ring psychology is great. And their throwbacks to the brain busters. And, and I mean, they look like two Arn Andersons walking around. Yeah. But, is it going to uh, work, though, up at the big show? 
I, I know I kind of think I kind of think if they're SmackDown, which they're not, I think if they're SmackDown, I'd feel better about it. It's kind of hard in general to I, I don't know, because you have the Bullet Club coming in and being jokers and made fun of and stuff. And they're they're one of the hottest tag teams of all time or going around right now. So that's just the whole situation with being a tag team. Well, maybe but, they can elevate each other. Plus, having the Hardys in the mix for a different style. Yeah, um, Sheamus and Cesaro. I don't think it's terrible. I hope they don't send Sheamus and Cesaro over. That would right. be bad news. Now that me. they're, but here's here's the big thing for me with the revival, and it's NXT. Uh, NXT does a great job promoting, and you have your fan base where you grow um, attached, like to your guys. Like Tyler Breeze was super over. Because he was our NXT guy there. But then he comes up to the main stage and he just, his character didn't have that main event. Right. He gets a pop now, but there's nothing behind it. It's just a so, pop. Like, hey, you're still here, pop. <laughs> yeah. But so, like, you have a tag team that won the championships and then they got a cool manager with Alexa Bliss. It was, um, uh, buddy, whatever. I can't remember their names because they they don't even matter right now because they just dropped off the face of the earth. They were a tag team. They didn't have characters or personalities. They won the titles. They got their personalities. Same thing with the revival. But then these guys, they couldn't keep going. Right. They disappeared. Alexa Bliss ditched them. She still engaged the one. So I guess not that bad for him, but <laughs> she ditched them and she's on the main show. They're not even on NXT TV anymore. So... It's like the revival. I know the revival has something. Well, it's just a question of does WWE know what that something is enough to push it somewhere? They called him up though, so somebody's seeing yeah. it somewhere. You know, and and they they could be really used it down there on NXT TV. So hopefully somebody has a real plan for them. Um, what did you think uh, uh, Finn Balor's return? Because I thought that that was. Um, I thought it was a waste. I thought bringing yeah. him back right now that way, I don't get it. And especially if you can't bring him into the title picture because of the Brock thing, I would have waited. But that's the thing with Brock as a champ. Now you have, now you have like a whole nother level of main event where you're not going to have the championship matches on every show anymore. So now you need your, now you need your sub. Right, so they event. brought him in to do work, which basically means they brought him back. He went out as the champion. He's coming back as a top mid carder. Well, I, well, I, I think they added a space between top mid card and main event. Now, so you know, like a secondary I, main event, basically, you're you're making him an IC champ, still not the universal champ, right? Because well, Brock is universal champ, and he's he's just so elevated above everyone, but also he's not on the show. Right. I so would have found a need... different way, but see, that's what I'm saying. I would have found a different way. Maybe you still bring Finn back that day, yeah. but don't have him wrestle against Seth who got no heat from the triple H thing. And people could just kind of care less about Seth right now. Like I felt like the crowd was dead for that match on raw. The program um, was so bad. The program is not done well, but I think what, what I, the way I see it is if you don't have Brock as champ. And so someone in that final four way match would have been champ. Uh, I think they brought Finn back in the classic main event re injury return thing. Like they treated him with a lot of respect. If you take away Brock, Brock is a wild card. He throws everything off. But, but everyone knows that's looming. So that's why it, it, it fizzled as the main event on the raw after mania to me. 
I know what they were going for, but I, I mean, I think you're almost even better putting Shinsuke in that spot and holding Finn. But anyway, so there, let's. Yeah. Go ahead. I just, I kind of, I don't know. I would have thought Shinsuke would have been on Raw, but I could see. Well, one, Vince doesn't know what to do with him. Two, uh, yeah, I think- but here's the problem with Shinsuke on Raw. Here's why, and I thought so too, but then I realized very immediately why he's on SmackDown. He doesn't have to talk on SmackDown. It's a shorter show. You can put him towards the top of the card on SmackDown without him ever having to cut a promo. But if you do it on Raw, it's a big problem. Those guys, if you are a main star on Raw, you have to talk. You have to be able to yeah. get in the middle of the ring and talk for 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, Shinsuke can never do that. He can cut a four-sentence promo. It'll be hot. It'll be fire. But you you can't have him in a spot where you've got to take that kind of time. It's one of the reasons why I didn't think they were going to call him up. I thought they were just going to leave him at NXT forever. I loved his entrance. We came yeah. out. He did the thing. Um, and that was it. I love the fact that he didn't wrestle, no challenges, no setting up any program. Like, look, this guy is the hot shit. All we have to do is debut him. We'll take up 10 minutes of TV with it, 15 minutes of TV with just the guy walking out to his awesome entrance. I thought the sound mix was a little off with the violin in the track this time compared to how awesome it sounds on NXT, but still it was over. And I can't wait to see that that moment happen for Bobby Roode too. First time he comes out and that glorious music hits, I think it's going to be huge. But they need Bobby to stay down there now because they brought up Joe and Shinsuke. Um, so we'll we'll see what they do with Shinsuke. I'd like to see Shinsuke versus Miz. I, I know that everyone's going to say I'm crazy, but I think that that would be a hilarious feud. And Miz can do all the talking for months and months and months. I think that feud could be hot for four months. Well, Miz has shown that he is like Cena is the the prototypical WWE wrestler. Miz is almost a more useful version of that where he does all the WWE stuff. But what he does is he brings in the guy who can do it the least and works the program with them and gets them into the WWE style like Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was paired with Miz because Daniel Bryan was so awesome, but he was not WWE. Yeah, I think, and I think Cena is basically passing that torch to Miz, which is why he's letting Miz cut these crazy promos on him. Um, and from what I understand, it's all all Cena's idea, by the way. That that all the stuff that shoot stuff that Miz is saying is coming from Cena, and he's letting him go for it because Cena's just having fun with the whole thing and has no problem with the Cena sucks or any of that stuff. Um, so. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, the torches get passed. This is the way the wrestling business goes. And I, I do. I, I really, really hope they go with a Miz Shinsuke uh, long feud too. draw it out. Miz will do yeah. all the talking. He will get Shinsuke in there. Shinsuke will make the high spots look good. Plus Shinsuke was looking a little tired in his matches at NXT. Like let's let the guy be a superstar and not have the blistering pace. Let's let him get out there and we can all pop for the high spots. We can pop for the Kinshasa and, and not have to have him, you know, run around the ring, do circles, you know, let him have his big entrances. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, I like that call up too. I was surprised to see all of those things happen, but maybe with the shakeup th- they had to. So, mm. and uh, I expect to see AJ come over to AJ. Raw. I think is going over to raw and I, I think hope he doesn't, but also like, 
Well, here's the thing. You either you either have to turn him face right now, which they felt like they were very close to doing with the him and Shane on on SmackDown this week. Um, but you either have to turn him face and let him have a face run on SmackDown, or you got to send him to Raw to get more longevity out of him being a heel. But him being a heel isn't going to last for much longer. The crowd is going to turn him face, whether they like it or not, at WWE. Um, perfect timing with Jericho to go face like his gimmicks are going to be so over. He's going to sell huge merch now as a face, Um, but maybe should go to SmackDown. I mean, I think that is the switch that should be made as much as I like to see AJ and Jericho. I think they need to switch the two of them. I don't know what other stuff they have in mind, but I wonder if Jericho wants to go to SmackDown. doesn't matter what Jericho wants. I think he's good for business on SmackDown. Let him go over there and bring some fun and some life back into the top of the program over there. Let him work with Randy Orton or Bray or somebody and get some, get some humor and levity into these guys and let those guys, because that'll make their seriousness get over more. But what about this? What about this? You have, uh, cause you have to, you kind of at this point have to send Jericho or KO over. I would think. I don't know yes. if that's how it goes, but you you should send one over. You can't send no KO should stay. But Sami Zayn's on Raw. So I mean, I never want to see KO Zayn again as good as they yeah, are together. Because they can't. Yeah, they can't do it right. Send Sammy over, which they've threatened to do a million times. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what you do with Sammy at this point. I think they've ruined him for right now. Like, why do you think KO should stay on Raw? I think there's money in KO Finn. I think there's money eventually in KO Braun. Um, I, I, plus, I feel like it's wrong. You take the universal strap off of him and then send him back into SmackDown. I think that hurts his character too much. Yeah. And it makes SmackDown look like a B show. I think you got to leave him on Raw for a little while. Um, you got to get him away from programs with Seth, though. Um, I think, yeah, a Finn program is good for him. And 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 maybe maybe a Brock program for him is believable too. I don't know that he wins that program, but I think I could see that program. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely think like the first time the Miz became legit, he was calling out Cena and all of his promos, and I thought that was kind of cool to see to see uh, Miz still cutting those promos and and doing all that at WrestleMania with Cena again. But like Miz kind of called out Cena and like told everyone I'm a legit wrestler and did all that. And then when he finally got Cena, you know, he lost right away. It was like the whole Jericho Goldberg thing. Right. But that was like the beginning of, um, that was just the beginning of Miz becoming like a real wrestler, not a reality star. And I think KO kind of has, you know, his own version of that with Brock. I think there's money in that where he needs to do that first program where he's, he tells Brock he's on his level but he's still going to lose. Well, I think, I think what you do is you just have KO bragging backstage and in all of his promos until, you know, without confronting Brock at all, just talking smack about how he's the, one of the best universal champions ever in this, anything. And he could take anybody with the belt, this, any other thing until Brock finally gets wind of it. And Heyman tells him, you can't get away with saying that without actually doing something about it. Um, But again, I think, look, the only program that they've really started at this point is Bray and Orton. Every other program has come to an end for this shakeup thing. 
So I think you'll see Bray and Orton stay on SmackDown and then they'll go into their House of Horrors match. And I don't know if they'll put the strap back on Bray or not. I hope they do. Um, because I don't think Orton needs it and I don't think that he bolsters the product any by having it. Um I want to see them redo their blow-off match. They had a really cool story going on, and their match seemed like they were given 15 minutes and then told they had five when they walked out. Well, that's what that's what they're doing. I mean, they're doing they set up this house of horrors thing. Oh between okay. Bray and and Orton. That's the only feud that is still going after Mania. Officially. Yeah, yeah. I saw the four-way, and I, I know that Harper is involved, and that's cool. Yeah, so yeah. right now it's like it's like the the Wyatt family is Luke and and Orton on one side, and Bray and what's his fuck that came back on the other side. Um, Ro- Rowan. Yeah, Rowan, big boy. Why do they um, have a Rowan and a Roman? They won't have two guy two guys with the same first name. I don't know. Cause I don't know. One of them sells shirts though. And the other one doesn't Shane Holmes had to change his first name because of Shane McMahon. <laughs> the hurricane. Yeah. Um, uh, I liked Mojo Raleigh winning, winning the Andre battle as well. I thought that was an appropriate rub for, for Mojo. There you go. I said, something I thought it was Mojo. funny because, um, because <laughs> we were having that discussion. Cause I bumped into Mojo at the airport and I remember, I remember looking over and I saw, cause I fly out of the same airport they do, but somehow I lined up with the, when they're flying off to a house show or something. And, uh, I look over and I see Mickey James and I'm like, this looks like Mickey James. Oh, I, cause it is Mickey James. And then I look behind me a little bit and then up <laughs> and Mojo is like this fucking tall. Like you don't, a lot of wrestlers aren't that superhuman anymore. Mojo is superhuman still. Shit in the WWE, they are. You're you're used to going to indie shows with me, my friend. Those guys yeah. are our size. Um, well, the first no show in the WWE is than us. I mean, but. like, look, we met Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy's huge, and he's yeah. little at the WWE. He even looked little. I mean, you saw him standing next to Sheamus. Good lord, Matt looked like half the size of Sheamus. Yeah, and Sheamus don't look that big in the WWE. I mean, those guys are big. Vince likes big boys. That's wrestling. He puts them in the mm-hmm. middle of that ring. You can see them from the cheap seats. They look good. That's half the gimmick. Um, I like Mojo. He cut a serious promo afterwards. People were booing the hell out of him. I liked it. But, I liked all yeah. of it. And it was the best. It was the best they've used him yet, in my opinion. I thought that that was a perfect way to do that match, since they're not going to have a big money in the bank match or something like that to really put over the next guy. Um. Like, I think it elevated him. It elevated him into a, a, a slightly better position at the middle of the card. I'll tell you who didn't get elevated. Any sure. single woman on either roster. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a blown program and a blown opportunity. Why, if Bailey is going to retain, did they, do, why, did they take away Charlotte's pay-per-view record, all the cool stuff that they had to hype about? They took away all of their own talking points for this at Mania? This is like, you know, this is not equal rights. This is not good for women just to be on the card. That's what they did to them, basically. They hyped them all up, made them do all the heavy lifting through the fall, yeah. of keeping hype on the WWE, talked all this crap about women's revolution and then what do you get you get nia Jax the monster going out first bailey still retaining for no reason even though her winning for the first time at mania could have been career altering for her 
um, and better for Charlotte too. You got Stephanie going through a table. There's your big, powerful, strong female figure gets beat up by a man and put through a table by her own husband. Then you got um, no heat in the SmackDown women's match that was put on way too late in the card, which took away the credibility by being up there with the title matches as a well, that was a cooler as an obvious as an obvious cooler match. Like you can't disrespect them, those performers any more than by doing that. You neutralize the best wrestler out of all of them, which is Mickey James. And then you put the title back on the woman that you just stripped it from. So she could take a break for three weeks and didn't have her in any programs leading up to it at all. Even and, and Vince let her win in her hometown, which even didn't make sense. Like, when does Vince ever do that? Everybody loses in their hometown. Naomi, I think, was the first African-American to win a championship at WrestleMania 2, which is cool. But to your point, they should have never taken the belt off her. They just shouldn't. They didn't gain anything by putting it on Bliss for a few weeks. Or find, or, or they should have found a way to at least keep her in the mix in the program. This whole every available woman on the roster match. What the... What... Talk well, about see, no I, heat. I like that match, but uh, that's a match that's a high energy, super quick, not a lot of substance. You put it earlier on the card. Yeah. Like, uh, switch that match with the cruiserweights. Put the cruiserweights in that spot because it's still a title match. You would have made the cruiserweights feel bigger. The women's match would have felt more important earlier on. Like, th there, there, there's so many different ways you could have done that to me. I don't know. I can't even talk about it anymore because I was so disappointed with it. And I was, I, and I was yeah. talking a few weeks ago about how the women had been holding down SmackDown. They had been like the solid anchor of that show for months. And this is the thanks that they get. I just, th this is the kind of shit that makes me want to be like Casey and not watch anymore and just go back to Lucha Underground all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually <laughs> start from the belt and have it mean something. But it, it also it also exposed something that we talk about repeatedly about the SmackDown women, and that's the talent level and the star power isn't near the level as Raw. Now the effort and the the creative behind it and and the execution is far and above what Raw is doing. But when you put yeah, them on but the hey, show, the way they're writing the way they're writing Raw right now, they're gonna put the Raw women right at the same level. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like, but it, it it really exposed that they don't have the star power on SmackDown, um, and to me it felt like they it's like okay cool Naomi won I barely remembered it felt like they ended up with a regular SmackDown match. Well, the mm -hmm. women's match on the NXT uh, takeover was awesome. Yes, that yes. was phenomenal. Oh, and I thought yeah. the the new belts was really funny too since they didn't have they didn't have any belts change hands right. Tag stayed the same. Women stayed the same. Yeah. And it's, yeah, none of them changed hands. So they all got new belts that, did, you know, normally when they're introducing a new belt, they give it to somebody else for the first time. But um, I like the NXT TakeOver. I think Bobby Roode is way over. The tag match was amazing. Here's my big thing about the tag match. Great match, but it suffers from the NXT thing where, you know, the two the two of the teams are going up. They're getting promoted. So authors of pain are going to win. And I felt like the best ending of that match for a takeover, like DIY had to win. I, I thought DIY should have won too. I thought it would have been a better ending, but it is what it is. But you know, yeah. But you, you know, know why I want DIY to win though? Because they got a Cleveland homie on the team. 
My, I have friends who know who sort of know uh, Tommaso through Boston. Jumpa. Um, I mean, look, those are a couple of hometown boys who work real hard. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, I liked I liked that, and there was so much wrestling. I watched a bunch of shows. I think I watched Evolve eighty. I watched a little bit oh. of Wrestle Circus. I watched. Uh, I, I mean, there's just some amazing stuff out there. Like. I really want to see Matt Riddle at NXT. Don't know if I ever want to see him on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. But I just think Matt Riddle as like a, a smaller Brock Lesnar basically would get over so good at NXT. And I think he would be so much better used than he's being used on these indie promotions. Not that he's not getting over, not that he's not doing cool stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't care if he's a dick in real life, by the way. Because I know a lot of people are like, well, fuck that guy, blah, blah, blah. No. There is something to it. The whole legit UFC gimmick to him like he's a legit badass people should be scared of him in the locker room he is one of the few guys that can bring that old school aura of don't f with me for real into the locker room take it out into the ring and carry it around with him kayfabe forever because it might be real nobody knows it's but it being real and having that aura are two separate things and it used the business the business the business and now it isn't like Dolph Ziggler is regarded as like legit like one of the toughest guys if you're actually going to fight for real on the roster like you'll hear you'll hear them say it but you'll ne- you don't see it on tv yeah and because they haven't used him that way they put him in kentucky fried chicken spots with the miz but he doesn't carry himself that way either no well, by the way by the way kfc speaking of uh, kfc and southpaw regional wrestling I listened to the Nature Boy impersonator, Georgia Gold at KFC. Delicious. Delicious. Why is the switcher not working anymore? Say something. Did I I click something? I don't know. It's not switching to your video when you're talking anymore, though. Hi. Are we on me or is this me? I put it on you. I don't know. Technical weirdness. Anyway, um, I don't have anything else to say anyway. You got anything else to say? No, no, this was a good one. Happy anniversary, Byron. I didn't buy you anything. What's one, what's one year anniversary paper, paper anniversary. I I made some notes. Yeah. Just leave them in my my kitchen. Like normal. Did you buy me a new Japan ticket? You son of a bitch. Did you want one? (laughs) That's not a good answer. If you wanted one, I would have, you know what? I I I don't even know if I'll be here. So, so the audience knows, uh, Next week will be my last week doing this show from LA. And then I like Byron will be probably doing this show on the road. Cause I got me a jobby job, making a new discovery channel car building show, which y'all will see very, very soon, which hopefully will have some very, very cool cars on it doing some very, very, very cool things. And I got 15 other potential jobs and shows lined up already too. So <laughs> yeah. So on next week on MMM show, Byron will read his resume to Justin. Yeah, and I still won't hire him because I refuse to. Damn it! I have, well, I have to finish building a house, and then, and then I'm a free agent. I'm like staying a free agent. Well, if I am in town, maybe I'll just get my own ticket, and we can go hang out. And I just won't sit with you and Jay. You going with Jay Man? I'm going with Jay Man. Yeah, he owes me my and New Japan uh, change. You're never going to see the money. 
He's I know he's bragging to EVW about how he was going to keep it or like give it to EVW. By the way, there I am convinced EVW is only going on our podcasts to subtly go, oh, I've never gotten a Pinche Rudo shirt. That's my favorite shirt. And then he'll talk about whatever, but he brings it up every podcast he goes on. So you're saying he comes on our show just to get a t-shirt from the heels? He's... He's like dropping subtle hints on all of our podcasts that he does go on that he wants us to get him that shirt. And he gets the shirt, then he doesn't come on our shows anymore. Oh, so you think we should never give him the shirt? Well, I've got a Mass Mats of Mayhem shirt for him that he keeps saying he will see us in person and get it because there's going to be some cool reason to see us in person. I don't know if I believe it. (laughs) <laughs> That'd be nice. Like, yes. Can that cool reason be like Pentagon beating up everybody and then getting a Lucha Underground title? Because that's what I think we would all like to finally see one of these days. Yeah, like we'll we'll be high fiving them. Like that was a really awesome thing to see. And then we'll hand him the shirt, and he'll be like, "It's totally worth it now, right?" To give me the shirt. Yeah, that's. I think that's the new rule. We will not give EV Dub a shirt until he tells DJ that the strap has to go on Pentagon. Damn it. Yeah, that's my new thing. We're going to hold each underground hostage. (laughs) We're holding them hostage for an MMM show shirt that they don't want. And it's the first one too. not even like one of the awesome later ones like this one. I will. I will even throw in my pinchy Rudo shirt if I have to. And I believe it is actually an XL. I wouldn't give him mine. I I think too highly of him to give him something that has my, my essence on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a much cleaner person than you are. All right, well, that's all I got for Matt Wallace, who came by. Thanks so much, and thanks, Keith, for setting that up and sending him over uh, for the – yeah, that's the book right there, Rincor Life in Grudge City. Matt Wallace, check it out, read it. It won't tax your brain. It's a fun read. It's uh, awesome. You know, for the Lucha Gringo who had heartfelt words for The Undertaker and told us almost his entire awesome career in a very short amount of time. Lucha Gringo is very efficient that way. Um, So thanks always to Casey for being here on our one-year anniversary. I didn't get you shit either. And uh, that guy, the Turk, the Mark, Byron Fever. At Bayron Fever. So until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. (laughs) 